3: say that I've just had Mike Stock make me a lovely cup of tea, <laughs> which is incredible. Where, where are the butlers and, the, and the, the staff, Mike? What's going on? I'm, I'm my own staff <laughs> and you can't get the staff. That's the problem. <laughs> um, we are in your, um, well, you're just saying, booth. this is the vocal booth, your new studio that's being built.
4: Yeah. How long, right. how long is, is this going to take to be um, uh, up and running? Well, we're more or less up and running now. Right. Some of the decor's not quite finished. Uh, I moved here uh, six weeks uh, ago because mm. I've moved, left my own studio behind. It took me years to get that operating, yeah. and then the, the developers moved in. So I've moved <laughs> here, uh, you know, maybe a couple of months now, and just started work converting the outbuildings here. And in a week's time, I'm going to be starting my next project. Really? So, yeah. Are
3: you allowed to say what the next project is?
4: Um... They don't have a name yet. It's a new band, oh, wow. um, so we're just working out what the name should be. There's a few ideas knocking about, but I'll also be working with the Fizz again in January. He was starting a new album. Are the you next doing a second
3: year. one with them? I am, yeah. Because oh, look, mate, that the last album, the the, well, the new one, the F to Z is, I think it's just brilliant. And I was just saying to you, I, I, we had them on the show last week, and. Um, uh, I, I went and saw them as they were rehearsing, and th- I went in, and they had the earpieces in, so i couldn 't hear the music yes. and I heard them sing in a cappella and it was incredible yeah. they 're great they
4: 're good artists and i don 't think the industry 's treated them very well yeah, I mean, I they go, yeah, but they go out flogging themselves around the country. I have been doing it for a few years now. And, of course, every time they play or perform one of their songs, they don't get any money. They get the ticket money. Mm. But performing any, in terms of the music, it all goes to RCA Sony. The deal they originally had, they took an advance, it never got fully paid back. So they never see it. This is like taking out a mortgage and you never own the house. Mm. So I, I didn't think that was right. So on the album, I've remade two or three of the songs. And now, it's theirs. They yeah. own it, so when they play them and sing them, they get the money. Well, if they, they sell s- them
3: at the record. it's a comm- it's a common thing. As well. I remember, Squeeze don't own their early songs because of a management deal, so they re-recorded. Okay. Like you, you did re-recorded all the hits.
4: Yeah, well, I think um, status quo. Another example. Yeah. Well, that, the way the industry was, well. In the 80s, when they started, it was better.
3: Mm. But
4: back in the 60s, and so no. that, was, that was just evil. <laughs> but, you know, things have changed.
3: Well, again, the kinks are, and I'm a big kinks fan. That's another one who just, they, they, I think they might have got the rights now, but for a long time they didn't to no, the hits.
4: And it's bizarre. Isn't isn't it's all? very bizarre. And I hear McCartney screaming about it. You know, Michael Jackson bought his publishing. You think, <laughs> what, why do, how could that possibly be? <laughs> Not, <laughs> Not Paul um, McCartney. Uh, <laughs> Well, speaking
3: of Paul McCartney, <laughs> I have, I, listen, I'm a huge fan, okay, so if you're waiting for the, the, the joke, the sucker punch, there's none. I was a very strange teenager in the 80s, I was obsessed, teenage boy, I was obsessed with the monkeys and the Beach Boys, and you guys, I loved you guys, and I totally bought into the Jason Donovan Pop phenomenon thing. But I, I, knowing I was coming here, I've been rediscovering loads of old videos. And boy oh boy, that let it be ferry aid. That stands the test of time.
4: Well, you know, we've been, we've been, um, We've done a few. I've done quite a lot of yeah. uh, the charity things. and it's, um, But I always try and make the best record I can. Mm. And we did the Band-Aid one as well. But that's been written out, airbrushed out. Yes, yeah, Because there's been subsequent versions. It's been appalling, just appalling. Yeah. The original was OK, a bit rough-edged. We did a better polished version, yeah. to be honest. But for some reason, nobody wants... You know, at Christmas, it's going to come out again, you yeah. know. So, But the Ferrier one with... Um, uh, and, and, yeah, and Paul, you know, gave us a hand and gave the thumbs up. Am I right? Uh,
3: literally gave the thumbs up in the video. <laughs> Am I right that... This, I'm like, uh, one nerdy question. It's, a, it's the original 1970 Let It Be vocal from him, or did he re-record a new vocal?
4: No, no. We... we, we That's where we start to... We were quite... Matt Aitken and I were in the studio a lot, and we were quite ingenious about some of the things we did. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound that amazing now, but in 1986, was that? Um, we sampled... We, George Martin got from EMI the original... Paul McCartney vocal, wow. and you hear George Martin say, "Okay, Paul, take thirty <laughs> two <laughs> and off he goes, but of course, back then the piano was tuned to four three eight of course or, or yes. under f- concert pitches yeah. four forty, and we with our Japanese equipment was at four, were at four four two so we had a bit of trouble tuning up, but we managed yeah. to speed up a bit here, slow down a bit there, and we chopped up the vocal so we could get it in time with our version but it 's I mean, the original vocal yeah. but with a bit of doctor. A bit. Yeah, incredible list on the. Kate Bush pops up at the
3: end. I mean, that's ima- it's it's an amazing. We we played it a few times on the show because we we played it first of all without the video, trying to guess who was doing all the vocals, and then we did it again. Um, but it's an amazing
4: lineup, and it and it, it really does sound good now. Yeah. I, well, I, no, I think we had. You see that the thing about modern recording is uh, it started back then with synthesizers and such like. You would you would you kind of lost the original uh, sounds that the recordings had in the 60s and 70s because yeah. that would be a piano, bass, drums and guitars, mm. instruments. And if you brought an orchestra in, they're all real players. Starting in the 80s, it became synthesised stuff, and going further on, it became digitised samples. So I hear lots of records today which sound they don't sound clarity. They don't have punch, there's no sort of immediacy you can't feel the air move mm. you know, and people hear it on buds in their little ears yeah. and when you um, stand in front of a full set of speakers it, as they used to monitor in studios yeah. the air moves, yeah. and that's when it gets you, that's when it punches you you lose that these days, and so I've seen most modern recordings lack that fidelity a
3: lot of it as well is, I mean the movement from vinyl to, to CD you lost a bit of it, but then from CD to MP3, it's 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 all Preston, it's a tiny little thing.
4: Well, I work in a studio unusually at 96k. Most people are at 48 or something in digital studios. But, of course... We're working at the best possible quality, yeah. but as soon as it goes onto CD, you're down to 16-bit. And as soon as you get it on the radio, they've topped the top off, and and Apple reduce it even further. So everyone hears it in that way. But we make it the best possible way. If you can hear our stuff in the studio, you'd yeah. tell the difference. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised. I'm slightly surprised that you're still busy. You know, because when, when I saw your name
3: associated with the Fizz, and it's a great record. You know, it's a great pop record. Because um, you've obviously you've made a couple of quid. You know, you had a few hits. Um, why are you still
4: doing it? What, what is driving you now? Well, you don't stop, do you? It's one of those things... Um, I bet if you asked um, Harry Kane, you know, he, he can't envisage himself stopping, mm. but he knows he's going to have to. Mm. I, I always think... I talked to one of Paul McCartney's solicitors a while back, and, and he was saying... The difficulty when you're poor, you're writing for yourself most of the time. Mm. So you can't write about teenage love. You can't. I can keep. As long as I'm writing for other people, I'll write about teenage love, you know. You can still be a kid yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I still am in lots of ways of music. When I hear. When I hear a chord structure that I've only heard a hundred times before, I'm totally (laughs) excited. But normally, the stuff that I hear is so hackneyed. And and when you listen to the Fizz album, listen to a couple of the tracks, and. Most of the guys that are in the industry will go. That's good. Right. Yeah, that's an industry. That's an interesting structure there. We've never heard that before. We've heard that too many times. You know. How do you keep coming up with different with, with stuff
3: to keep you entertained? Then new new things all the time.
4: No, I don't work on my own. Uh, right. You know, I've got uh, actually my son's come into the business and he's in his twenties. Um, the last artist I was doing was a sixteen-year-old girl. Right. So I've got all these people around me telling me what they think is good and how they like to do it, and so I'm I'm kept in check. before, I, I suppose I'd. If, if, if I had my way, the album I'd make now would be a piano, bass, and a little string quartet, and mm. somebody singing classic, I don't know, Roger and Amazon, Cole Porter, or something mm. like that. I don't know.
3: How did you get into it? What, what, was, what was 12-year-old Mike Stock doing and listening to?
4: I was, uh, oh, God, you know, just, it sounds so awful when people say this. When I look back at the photos, we, we were quite, you know, a poor family. We didn't have anything. I went to secondary modern. Mm. And I had a football. I used to play football every minute God gave me what out in the garden thing? in the garden. I wrecked the garden fence, smashed a few windows, and I just because I was bored, bored to tears. My brother went to grammar school fortunately, and he he got music lessons, and so a piano turned up in the, in the in the house. But there were five of us, a dog and a budgie, and two parents living in three bedrooms, so we there was no real room, so I had to wait for my mum and dad to go out, and I would dump the piano really? so I, I picked up guitar, I picked up the piano, taught myself. I don't read music or anything. Played sport. I played football for school. I played cricket for school. and So I was fit and young and enthusiastic. But I loved, absolutely loved every pop. So I was born in 51. Mm. 52, the charts began. Yeah. So I've got them all in my head. All that chart history, all mm. the number ones and all the big hits, they're there. They're in my soul, in my heart.
3: <laughs> and was there a group sort of in the, the well, I guess in the 60s that, the you were obsessed with was was it the Beatles? I mean, that's the obvious one.
4: The Beatles, I I, I was obsessed with the Beatles because no one had said to me up until that point that um, that these artists write for themselves. No. they write for themselves. My God, they're writing their own songs. I've never thought of that before because every other artist, Adam Faith, Cliff Richard, Elvis, the big yeah, you know, Frank Archers, all those big stars had songs written for them. Mm. Um, and in some ways, that was brilliant for me. It was an eye opener because. In the end, it turns out I can do that. Mm. But uh, I think from another point of view, it's a bad thing uh, because there's too many people who are great singers who shouldn't write songs. Yeah. They should go around the world, like Frank Sinatra, yeah. and say, I don't want to bloody write these things. Mate. Just go to somebody in the world over there who's the best writer and yeah. get me the best songs, and then I'll sing. Because being a great singer is a gift. Being a writer is a gift. Yeah. You know, and you, The two don't necessarily marry up.
3: First song you wrote?
4: First song I ever wrote was called "The Thunder and the Lightning." <laughs> I was seven.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well done. I good. then,
4: but at the age of eleven, there was a girl at school called Angela, and I wrote a song called "Angela." Um, no, I wrote 60 or 70 when I, before I was 14. Wow. And my wow. mum, I wrote them down and my mum kept them in a folder. Did you? Yeah. Do so they still exist? Um, well, my mum died many years ago now, so, um, I think my sister's got
1: them. Oh, wow. <laughs> mate,
3: that's the next album. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's getting all that stuff done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, mate,
4: hey, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> now, to working with, uh, Akin and Waterman in yes. our setup really brought me into the, sort of professional aspects of it. I mean, I was a dedicated amateur up to then. Yeah. Oh, I went out as a band, you know, I went out on my own and geeked. I did that for many years. And it was, I was in my 30s before we teamed up. It, it was, was Aiken in the band with you? Did I read that? He, he became, he, he was, uh, finally, when the, I, I broke the band up in uh, New Year's Eve 83 on the basis that I thought I could be doing this till I'm 80. Mm.
1: Um,
4: and I said to the rest of the band, I'm going to go into the studio, and build a studio, Which we did. I said we'll go down there. We'll try and develop production ideas and become that side of the industry rather than gigging. And Matt said, "I'm coming with you." Uh, The drummer said, "I'm buggering off," and the singer said, "I can't do that." So we split up. Um, And then we 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 worked in the studio about a month, and went to Waterman. I went to Pete Waterman and said, "I've got this idea for a song, which was uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood type of uh, but a female version." and he bought into it, he didn't need, I went to three record labels that day uh, the other two boys said, yeah when can I see the band I said, well, they're not actually a band we've made them up, we've invented them in the studio, but if you find a couple of girls we can. they'll front it Waterman saw it immediately yeah, you you know. it. so it's, it's, a, it's a bit like manufactured pop in, in that sense, but all pop is manufactured, whichever oh, yeah. level you go to. So.
3: Well, the Beatles are manufactured to a certain extent, you know, the, they, from the leathers to the smart suits, because yeah. Brian Epstein wanted this image for yeah, them. Yeah,
4: well, uh, that's the point. Uh, you go in a studio, George Martin said, change that, do that, yeah. and make that, and do that, blah, 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 so, you know. Do you,
3: do you, um, I'm, I guess the answer to this is going to be no, but does it annoy you when people say, oh, it's crap? Oh, it's plastic crap. Because when I said you were coming on the show, I had a few listeners going, what, you're taking the piss. And I go, no, 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 genuinely, I think this bloke is, 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 you know, that team, they were the white British Motown of the 80s, and got into some big arguments with people. Does it annoy you? You've got a beautiful place here, so I'm guessing perhaps
4: it doesn't. Uh, no, it does, yeah. Does it? It does annoy me. What I want to do is put them right. Mm. And I can't, because there's too many of them. Never, you're never going to be able no, to. No. So it would be my lifelong quest. I'd like to sit and talk to individuals who come up and say I, I've had a few today on Twitter, I look at them and they, they, they just say stuff they don't know they don't understand, and I understand the difference between yeah. pop music that I did and that I loved and that I do now um, is mainly liked by gay men mm-hmm. women but the guys that want music to be like a badge of honour or some, some form of a, a, a butch a structured male you know, yeah. a, a, as a, an extension of themselves, we will never buy into that. And ours are emotional. I've seen people crying. we I cry at pop music and stuff. When it's sad songs in film, I'm terrible at it. Yeah. But, so it reaches me. Mm. It doesn't really reach some of the guys that way. And they will awesome. never accept it. I also think it's demeaning to
3: the millions of girls and the young gay guys and straight guys. I was a straight guy, you know. Um that bought those records, and that for that two and a half, three minutes, that song was everything. That Brother Beyond record was everything. (laughs) That Jason Donovan record was everything. That was their life, and I think for... You know, blokes, white middle-aged blokes, to say, No, that is crap. I think that's just demeaning to the people that really did dig
4: it. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's a good point that you make about the sort of middle-class business. It is that kind of thing, and it's a weird one, this. I don't, I don't, don't want to make... Because I don't want to be as guilty as they yeah. of the bigotry or prejudice or anything else there is, but there is a thing that's going on. I'd like to identify it, but I'd rather go on the basis that I take each individual and say, sit down, mate. Let me explain what I did and yeah. why I did it. Because what I, why I did it wasn't because I wanted to upset yeah. you. Yeah. I did it because I was doing the right thing for the people I was aiming mm. at. And, I, I, you know, and you, you can't have it both ways. I've done... I, I, I would admit I've done a whole bunch of work. A lot of it's not as good as some of the rest of it. You know, it, it, you can be good and you can be bad. at yeah. But I was always aiming for the best, mm. even if it was the fast food rockers and, you know, the fast food song. Yeah. Even if it was... Nathan Moore and Brother Beyond, you know, who was a guy more famous for how he could wear his jeans and his haircut, But, you know, and some of the singers we worked with weren't great singers. Yeah. But then again, you don't have to be Pavarotti to be a, a, a pop star. No. There's more to it than that.
3: You know, I'd watch a TV programme where each week you sit down with a critic and go, right, why don't you like me? And I'll tell you why <laughs> I think you're right. I'd watch that, Mike.
4: <laughs> well, I do get quite passionate about it. Good. But also, uh, Ian, look, I think people think you wrote rubbish. Mm. It was trite. It was trivial. It was all the criticism that I've heard. Yeah. And they think from that that I must be thick or stupid. Yeah. You see. And I'd, I'll tell you what I'd rather do is, I'd rather sit down and do an intelligence test. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, battle them, I'd battle them on IQs and say, now who's the smart one? <laughs> um, it, it, um, it was an amazing, that, that whole
3: stock cake in the Wolfman era. Uh, it, it was an amazing run of hits that you had. At what point did you did you go, Jesus, guys, this is uh, we're onto something here.
4: No, I never did that. When it was starting to break up was when the rest of the world broke into our world and started wow. tearing us apart. And Matt was the first to go, and then Waterman went off and did TV shows and everything yes. else. And, and the studios where we had built up our team and the cohesion was fracturing. When
3: well, you say the world was tearing you apart, you mean the criticism, or yeah. people were copying you?
4: Um, no, by 1991, the poll tax riots happened, yeah. and sort of the... the the world changed. Suddenly your records like Acid and um, everyone was in ecstasy and and you're trying to make records for people who weren't present Mm. in their full... Capacity as human beings. They were all over the place. And that didn't work. And then the trendy DJs who had grown up through the 80s, loving our music, suddenly start to be in positions in record labels where they're making decisions on an A&R level. Mm. And they never buy records. Just ask your next A&R man you ever meet, what was the last record you bought? You probably can't remember. Because he was probably at the university being part of the students' union there, being the entertainment's officer. And he'd be getting Getting presents from everybody. He wouldn't buy records. You ask the girls or some of you the know, guys that liked what we did, and they'll tell you the last record they bought yeah. and the first record they bought. They like records. They like buying stuff. And they invest in them. These guys just get them for nothing. So I got very annoyed in the 90s when suddenly the people that were our friends turned against us. Capital Radio refused to pay us. We were all over Capital Radio for a mm-hmm. time. But the industry, I had battles myself with them, because I walked into the chairman of the BPI and... And he said to me, we're not going to allow you in the 90s t- to do to us what you did in the 80s. We're not going to let you. Send said wow. it to me directly.
3: That's incredible.
4: Yeah, because they took the charts over. Yeah. They owned, up until then, Gallup or BRMB, one of the, one of the, uh, Millard Brown, one of the data collecting agencies, uh, independently yeah. he- compiled the charts from sales data they'd get from Woolworths or wherever. Slowly, as the industry declined, Woolworths went bankrupt. And that was a great sounding uh, post, you know, for people to find what are people buying. Yeah. They're going into Woolworths and ordering this. So the industry suddenly took control over the retail and control of the data. They set up their own company called Chart Information Network. They did a deal with Millwood Brown. And then the, the information that compiled the chart belonged to them. Mm. And they would release it for a fee to the BBC and to whoever else. But it became a work of fiction. It was always slightly fictional. Yeah, of course. But, but it became totally in their power to say who was number one and who was number five. Isn't that... Uh, and and why were they doing that just because they were pissed off with
3: you for being so successful were you were you be honest were the three of you a bit arrogant was there? was there
4: some of that going on well um but i think waterman said a few things to them and i i i suppose we all got a bit i don't know maybe arrogance is the right word. Well, i'm not i don't know. You call me anything you like, I don't care. I don't know, I don't know, maybe I was. No, of course not. Maybe maybe I was. Uh, We did become a a bit arrogant. And we weren't trying to rub anybody's nose in it, but they were always trying to stop us, always trying to block us. We made them look a bit silly at times, and that's what they thought was arrogance, because we told them that. And I remember that interview. And, uh, you know, we're three guys in South London, we built up our own team around us, Mm. Uh, there may be 20 of us. There's Sony and RTN, There's hundreds and hundreds of thousands around the country. Mm. You know, nine thousand, ten thousand people, and we just the three of us were a proper yeah. indie
1: or, or, organisation. Yeah. We
4: were indie, although everyone thought we were mainstream. Yeah. But, but here's the point: we were getting 28% of the market share. Suddenly, yeah. they woke up to that, and that's where. Then they blocked us. It's only like they're doing it now. Media companies, you know how it is, I don't have to tell you. I don't even know what media company you, you, you're with, so you won't... You can edit this <laughs> exactly. out this, like. going, this all goes in... We,
3: um, we just got bought by News Corp, you know, so uh, Murdoch owns me now. And, and you know, exactly, he, yeah. he blanket controls
4: yes. everything. So, and that's what all radio does. Yeah. So, you know, you can't get on Bauer if the BBC are playing. So the BBC are playing like that, Bucks Fizz for us, or The Fizz, and they're, 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 they're with us, mm. they're on our side, but you try and get on Bauer, you, try, you know, you can't.
3: And there's no... Um, There are very few independent radio stations now. It is—it's like three or four organisations that that own it, you know. And and you can be in any part of the country, and it sounds like London really, which I think is terrible.
4: It is like that because they now have a central music head of music somewhere. Um, Who's making decisions? And you, in the, you know, the DJs. There's a bit of leeway they allow them, don't they? But generally mm. speaking, you got to, it's, if it's on the list, on the menu, you can. Everything's on the menu. Yeah.
3: How did it work in the studio? How did you How did you come up with a song? What was the What was the, the process? Were you Were you those kind of guys that came in at nine o'clock in the morning and today we're going to write and produce a song?
4: Yeah, I did. Um, I think it's important that you t- you treat it like a a marathon not a sprint because I mean I did used to do overnight mixes right. you know and then you're ruined for two days yeah. but I knew you couldn't carry on that way because you know one day you've got Kylie Minogue next day you've got Bananarama so you've got to be on form um so we set a routine and the routine was start about 11 in the morning because you've got to drive into town um and then go through to about 10 o'clock at night but you did I did that religiously you mm. know for 10 years virtually
3: and how did you build up the songs what, what, what was the process?
4: No, well, I, I was the main songwriter. Waterman, you know, uh, was brilliant for our team and in the areas that we could go on to discuss, to do the promotion and maximisation of everything we were doing. But the actual process of writing songs was me, normally me starting it. I had up a, an idea. Uh, normally I had a library of tunes that... I've been working on since I was a kid. Really, the same. I go, we need a tune for this, a tune for that, and so you sit at the piano or a guitar, um, and the very first thing you you would then do, uh, you know, is you've got a title. Never Gonna Give You Up is a title. Mm. Too Many Broken Hearts is a title. And it it implies a tune. So, better the devil you know, I remember coming up with that for Kylie. And I'm sitting down there, I'm like, bloody old Kylie, this is a fantastic song. It's not written. I've just got a title. (laughs) Oh, wow. But I know it's a fantastic song. As soon as that title's there, I've got, this is just a story. I've got it now. And it grows her up a bit from where she was. Anyway, so we come up with a title. And that effectively becomes your dartboard. You put that on the wall and you're trying to write your song, that's your bullseye. Mm. Everything's leading to too many broken hearts or whatever. And uh, if you don't do that, you can shut your darts, Mm. but you'll just hit the wall Mm. and then your point becomes blunt. So you know when you've got the bullseye. Uh, and our aim was, in three minutes, Matt and I, we would get, you know, three choruses in and fade out, and that little, middle eight, perhaps. But you do a verse, you do an intro, and it's got to be as quick and as sharp as possible, do the verse and the bridge. And within that very tight constraint, and it was a framework yeah. that we stuck to, you've got to be more creative. Mm. Because it is very limiting. I mean, I don't want to compare us to Shakespeare, because I did this before with somebody, and they said, Mike Sop compares himself to Shakespeare. And all I said was, but... Shakespeare used to write sonnets Mm. and put them into fourteen, fourteen lines in a sonnet with iambic pentameter, you know, how many beats per, and you go, wow, that's such a constraint. Mm. But within that, such beauty, such wonderful Mm. things. So if he, if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for us. We put a tight three-minute pop frame together and, um, stuck to that. And I, I found that specific. And of course, songs were always, only ever two songs, you're happy or you're sad, one way or another, you're in love, you're not in love. Um, Songs about personal relationships and that was it. And don't stray into party politics or much else. Mm. You know. Keep to that and if you can be creative in that, then
2: then great. Yeah. The radio show for people who know the best part of the day is the night.
0: The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk
3: Radio. We'll get you talking. When it came to the recording, yeah. how, did you, how did that work? Would you, would you go in and lay down the basic track, or did you have a team of musicians? How, what, was, what was going on there?
4: No, it's probably not, not a known fact. I would like to make it more known that Matt Aiken and I are the musicians mm. on all of them. Wow. All That's the musicians great. on all of them. Yeah. Apart from the odd specialist saxophone player, when we needed one. But effectively, That's incredible. string arrangements, brass arrangements, guitars, pianos, keyboards, basses, all the rest of it, was just me and Matt. So uh, the process was, initially, so, you know, sitting there with the idea for the song, write down uh, a tune, get that working word out, chord structure, take a pad the D50 pad, uh, get a drum beat going on the Lindrum drum or one of the samples, whatever, get a beat going, put the chords down and sing your tune over it, then aiming to the bullseye, which we know is the chorus, Too Many Broken Arms, and then just write the uh, the lyric that leads you there mm. and write the tune that takes you there. And you, you'll notice with all of our songs, there were key changes as well, but sometimes it didn't need the key change because be, the verse would start there, the bridge will take you up a little bit and the chorus takes you right up. I mean, I've heard so many mistakes with writers where they write this great tune and then the chorus comes in, it drops, Mm. it's lower than that. Well, that doesn't project. So we always manufactured it to the point where the verse starts there, that goes there, that goes there, and then the chorus is the high spot. Um, So once that's down to our satisfaction, then you get the singer in.
3: Um, You had some amazing singers. Yeah. And you had some singers that weren't quite so amazing, let's be honest, yeah, um, but you still managed to, um, to, to, to get hits out of them. I don't, if you want to name names, you can, but that's not, not what I'm fishing for. But how did you work with some of the people that perhaps weren't such great singers? Because this was before autotune, wasn't it? So you, you, you had to work with what you had. Oh,
4: yeah. Well, actually, it, I'm taking credit for autotune because I mentioned it to one of the software manufacturers. We were forever having to take lesser singers and tune them in some way or another. You can do it sometimes with a very speed effect, or you can put it into um, little boxes on the wall that would just take a phrase here or a note there. And you can change right. it, but it's laborious and, uh, and, and a bit haphazard. Um, so I said to them, we had a, mas- a machine called a Publisson. Oh, what a what? Fr- it was a make of right. a French machine, which yeah. eventually came out in about... 1988 which you could sample into it a whole chorus of vocals so instead of singing eight vocals or eight choruses you just sing it once and then uh, punch it into the song where you want it but it you could change you played it on a keyboard you start triggering it from the keyboard and if you triggered it on the wrong key it would play it in the wrong key okay yeah so but it would sound like mickey mouse soon as you sped it up on a higher key it would go like the chipmunks yeah so I said to the guys, "Look, why don't you just do a machine where you can speed it up, where well, you can raise the pitch? Sorry, but it, but forever, because the speeding up process, uh, the chipmunk's effect is the vibrato comes very quick. Does you know? they- so Mickey Mouse? So I said, just do it. For every percentage you go up in pitch, you come down the same percentage." Mm. in vibrato, so it sounds natural. Yeah. So I said that to them, next thing I know they put out the Antares and didn't give me any credit. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but back in the US we didn't have that kind of auto-tuning. There was a bit of tuning going on, but it was much more laborious. And Was there anyone
3: who came in and you said, oh, this, is, well, this is never going to work?
4: Yeah, I can think of... <laughs> I shouldn't really... I'm not going to... No, oh, I'm not going to name names. Um, name them after
3: when I'll switch the Yeah, on, but...
4: most of the... Really bad ones. We just wouldn't have gone for a release. We just would have right. binned it. Um, quite a number of the poppier ones uh, we'd have persevered with because I've got great backing vocalists.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great thing I to had,
4: have, yeah. I had Mae McKenna and Miriam Stockley for a lot of years, yeah. and the finest vocals around. They were brilliant at what they did. I had Dee D- Lewis and Coral Gordon um, before them, who, who that Coral and G are on, never going to give you up to in the back of focus, for mm. example. But by Kylie and and the others, we had uh, May and Miriam and. I just knew if there was a problem with a Lee vocal, they'll step in and cover it up. And I covered up a few. <laughs> um, I mean, I had Robson and Jerome in the studio, and they, they struggled. Yeah. Oh, did they really? Yeah, well, because, well, they're actors. Yeah, of course. Um, and so I, I, don't, I think my job as a producer, I think even if you ask brilliant people like George Martin, you know, if you could have asked him... Um, you know, he said, yeah, I sped up, please, please me, because it was too slow. No. And I got, and I sped up Paul McCartney's vocal on this to make him sound younger. And I did that and I did oh, that. Oh, that
3: was a common trick in the
4: 60s. Yeah, you Speed would, do, yeah, you would yeah. do that. But you do that naturally. We still do it. We'd, uh, uh, a matter of course, we'd probably go up 2% right. on the final mix. Gives it a lift and a bounce. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that you get up to tricks, you do what you've got to do, because I don't like putting a record out with an excuse. I don't like saying, yeah, I know it's, there are a couple of actors, I know they're not great singers, but, you know, what do you expect? I don't do that. I don't give an excuse. I
3: was working in a record shop the Christmas that Robson and Jerome Alvin came out. I mean, it's a great record, but we had it on 12 hours a day for for about three months, so I know that inside-out, backwards. So thanks a lot, Mike.
4: (laughs) You can get too much. much, Fortunately, I only did the... uh, It was Simon Cowell's project. I only did... um, with Matt these singles. Right, OK. So we did Bloody Unchained Melody, um, you know, for the umpteenth time, but we sold 2.8 million singles, yeah, so, yeah. you
3: know. Did you ever get... The, the thing with pop stars, and I'm a big fan of pop, so the monkey's my favourite thing, I'm a big fan of David Cassidy as well. The, the thing that pop stars always want to do is they have the first couple of albums where they're pop stars and there's 12-year-old girls screaming at them, and then they want to grow up, and then they want to become mature, and it's, it's a mistake that... Um, the monkeys made, Cassidy made, Jason Donovan made, where they want to become a serious mm. artist. How do you deal with... That, that might be me. How do you deal with that with, when, when they say, Mike, I want to change direction, I want to do a concept album?
4: It's difficult, this, and I, I think the, the problem is they're too young. Mm. They're 19 years of age. And all of their mates down the pub are telling me, you don't want to do that pop rubbish, yeah. you want to do something... Like this or like that, and Banana Army used to come into us with that, and their mates down the pub didn't like loving the first degree, or thought I heard a rumour, or Venus is so awful. You should be doing this, and when you start listening to your mates down the pub, yeah. that's when it goes wrong. I, I I I wish, if only God could give those young artists old heads. Mm-hmm. That's what I would have wished, because they could, they could have stuck around a lot longer. A lot of them, not just Jason's fine anyway. He's doing what he does, and I remember we had the meeting with. Uh, you know, Lord Webber um, about him going into Joseph he wanted to be an actor I, I, I bloody hated that because you can't come back from that yeah. not as a serious pop act yeah. but he goes out and tours now so he's doing fine in that regard and, well, people like I did Shane Ward a couple of years ago because he got a raw deal with the X Factor he won the X Factor, had a couple of albums, got dumped and but he came to me and said can you do us an album and I got it all going got the album I got a track going I got it into the charts one thing or another and thought now what we do is put you on the road Shane because you're a great singer and we mm. do this and that and he got off of the up- Coronation Street yeah and, to me a choice between being a soap star being a rock star, a pop star there's no choice you don't mean you're going to be anyway, because you could do that when you're 50
3: Yeah. was there any part of you that was jealous? because you were in a band and you're making all these beautiful young people into, into superstars, selling millions of records was there a bit of you that kind of thought man, I wish that was me
4: I wish it had been me when I was 19, yeah. but by the time I was making all those hits for those people, I was you know, getting on a bit and I had a wife and family. In fact, it was having my first kid right. that kind of got me a bit serious about it. I thought, oh, mate, I've got, I've got to stop the gigs, I've got, to be, I've got to raise a family, I've got to make sure we've got food in the mouths and all that. So I, I, I sort of thought, thought um, I'm, I think I'm 32 at this point, you know, I've got to get knuckled down and be serious.
3: But that's quite a punt, though, to go right. I'm, this thing I've been doing for however many years, I'm gonna, we're going to stop that, and I'm going to build a studio. I'm going to become a hit maker. That's a that's a big gamble to have taken.
4: Well, I d- yet you know, bold. I did. I did have unshakable belief that I would be successful you, in you, the mate. music industry. I did. I, I you know, but I, I believe in a load of things. I believe in God, mm. but you know, I believe. In the world, I believe in human nature. I believe in goodness in people. I believe in a load of things that I probably I shouldn't do or or I'm mad to. I believe that I could make it if I believe that if all the if you made all the right effort. See, opportunity can hit you. I, if, I my advice to everybody is, just be open to an opportunity. Mm. So you, you, as long as you've got some reasonable talent, at some point it's gonna there's gonna be a door open you've got to take that, you've got to be through that door quickly. You've got to not only be through the door, you've got to take the hinges off, you've got to remove the frame. Yes. You've got to be all the way through it. Um, I say this to people because if you're sitting back and wait for success to reach you, you, you know, it's mm-hmm. not gonna, you've got to go out and you've got to be open to the possibility. I have an open mind on nearly everything, I think. I'm probably too open. But I, when I'm writing a song, somebody asked me to explain that once in New Scientist because there's this thing that goes on when I know I've got to write, and I won't write... If I know I'm working with um, an artist next week, I won't write till the day before for them. Right. I'll, I'll sit down the day and go, right, they're there, they are like this, the world is like that. I've got my antennae up, I'm going, what do I do? And I just put myself in the position and let something come in. I mean, that's the way to do it, I yeah. think. And it's currently... And I'm, but I'm permanently attuned to uh, news headlines or... Um, Somebody says something on television. Somebody says something to Dan. I wrote it down so as not to forget it. I've written it down because I've forgotten what it is <laughs> This It's always the point. I've written it down on the pad indoors. Um, but it's there. Yeah. And I'll go back to it in my iPad. I've got loads of sort of little snippets of things that come in.
3: Yeah. And you can just dip in and out and yeah. see what, what's there. Yeah. For a fan of music growing up in the 60s, to then be working with McCartney, to work with Cliff Richard, you know, I'd forgotten about the Cliff Richard track, to, to be working with these big stars, yeah, that must have been a real pinch-yourself moment. I
4: love, I love to um, work with... Paul, you know, he, McCartney was, um, came in the studio, because I did Ferrier, but he also did the r- record for Hillsborough. Of course, yes. And yes. he came in for that. Yeah. And, uh, wanted to play on, with the guitar, wanted to come in, on. I, I and wow. to leave in the end, because you've got to finish the today. Out. Yeah, and, but, the, you know, the funny about Cliff, um, Cliff will tell you this himself, because um, we were getting all the critics slamming us, as you alluded to already. Yeah. Um, Cliff, Cliff himself, over the years, had got a lot of stick from being a born-again Christian. Mm. That seemed to be not very rock and roll to the press and media, and he was getting a lot of stick for that. And he came and worked with us. He did one song with, with him, which was a hit and all that. It did, did pretty well. And he came back to us. I saw him he asked us to go on stage at Wembley to do his thirty years in the business concert, which just appear we just did a guest appearance. And he said to me at the end of it, You can't believe he said, I've been a born again Christian. The amount of people who used to give me a hard time over that mm-hmm. he said it's nothing compared to what I've got for working with you guys. <laughs> really? I mean can you be yeah. That's
1: incredible. Yeah.
4: I, I do, I remember it. I remember it was mm-hmm.
3: It was almost scandalous that he dared to... But he was always a pop star, you know. He's, and the, the thing about Cliff is, you know, you go from move it through to the stuff, you know, Bachelor Boy and in the country, through to the Wired for Sound. He's always moved with the times and yeah. done stuff that... People are surprised by it.
4: No, he's great. He's great. He's one of the greats. Like you know, I'm wondering if that's actually my iPad. Oh, maybe <laughs> it is. I think I,
3: sw- I think I switched mine off. My, but I'm going <laughs> to double check because I'm no, a professional. I'm quite happy. So it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You mind get
4: mine you... out of the bloody room. Don't
3: you worry? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sticking out here.
1: Really. Okay. No, William. <laughs> it <laughs> <that> doesn't matter. <laughs>
3: But he's always confounded the critics, and um, yeah. uh, I, 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 I've never quite understood... I mean, he's done some, some ropey songs, but he's also done some classics. Anyone who's been in the business for 50 years has done some ropey
4: songs. You do. Yeah, yeah. And, and and, I mean, I appreciate... Um, his history, and when I work with him, that's what I was doing. I was appreciating his history, and like I was saying, for antenna out there. So the day before he comes in, I'm thinking, oh, what do I do here? What do I do here? <laughs> and um, I listened to White for Sound, the yeah. song you mentioned, because that's a great little pop song. Yeah. And. Um, Power from the yeah. needle to the... Uh, up to, where's, what, where's he pitched that? And I have got on the keyboard, oh, he's up here. Power from... So he can hit that note then, I thought, great. So I'll write my song and make sure there's no note higher than that yeah. so he feels comfortable with it. He came in, I sang it to him, and he said, it's too high for me, Mike. So no it's not Cliff. I've checked out wired for sound. It's no higher than wired for sound. He said, Mike, that was ten years ago. <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm that much older and you know, um uh yeah, and it was very sped. <laughs> so, you know, he um so I, I re. I, I said, sorry, Cliff. get back in the room, sit down, have a cup of coffee. I, re, I lowered the pitch, and uh, mm. he did the song.
3: It's funny you mentioned the born again Christian thing, because I don't get that. I, I, I'm a real judge the art, not the artist. I, don't, I yeah. d- couldn't care less what people get up to or what they believe. I, none of my, If it's a great record, it's a great record. That's all yeah. that matters.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, look, you, I've had to do that, because you see, I got. St- I worked with Divine, um, you know, back in the early 80s, and everyone. Yeah, the world was split then between this is just appalling, yeah. and so Divine went on top of the pops, and that's
3: a, she, that, that's a unique voice that Divine has got. Yeah. You think you're a man? <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah. Well, they got me to do it again. I got, to, well, I got him to sing quite well. Yeah. But um, they, the record company, said no, it doesn't sound like Divine. You've got to bring him back in the studio and make it sound awful, rough it up. Which is that. First time anyone's told me to do that, make a singer sound bad. But, um, so i I've got, i got, we've got lots of moral indignation from certain quarters on that one. But it didn't bother me at all. And I met him in Germany when he was in his civvies. And we, I did another ver- a song out there with him. He was in Munich. I've got a picture of him in me. He's got my arm around me. He's like your uncle. Mm you know a it. nice bloke he's yeah. just a normal guy all the stuff that you're supposed to find outrageous it's all publicity yeah, jobs nonsense so i don't take anything i read about anybody seriously
1: no. No.
4: was there was
3: there a, was there a flop you had that you, um, look back and, and you, you just scratch your head and think, that should have been, that should have been massive. Why did, you know, th- why didn't that one take?
4: Yeah, there are quite a number. Um, we weren't as, there's quite a, the only ones most people remember, are the ones that were big enough hits for them yeah, to remember. There, there was just as many that didn't, but a lot of the time we got stuck at number 41 in right. chart. Now, back then the top 40 was important because if it got into that, you might get a top of the pops, you might get some Radio One play, you yeah. might get some promotion. Outside the 40 they weren't interested and we were at 41 too many times to be a coincidence right, okay. but this was the way the industry worked you yeah. know they were trying to block us and I don't blame them they were trying to protect their world but the you know the, the, the way I, mean, t- I don't know what do you say it should be a free market no, there's no hit that I know and particularly these days when you look at that you go why is that number one mm. why has Despacito done 55 billion ...downloads or some ridiculous... or YouTube clicks. It's a ridiculous number. It's, it's just an invention. I mean, I, I know they got hauled they got over the coals for it. Justin Bieber had managed to get two and a half billion clicks overnight... Mm. ...on one of his own. They go, ah, that's impossible. Yeah. You know, not that many people in the world with YouTube... Um, so you know, then that they pulled all the songs down. The industry got wrapped over the knuckles. So you are talking about clicks
3: and uh, Jack Good, the TV producer who did um, oh yeah I can't six, five special. six five special, and then uh, did a few shows in the state. You know, yeah. he, he died this week. He? Um, I think about ninety or something. I mean, and I was just thinking, there is no. There's no kind of Top of the Pops, Thursday night, 7th. There's nothing where everyone gets together and sees what's going on. It's all on YouTube. It's all it's all, all over the place.
4: Well, yeah, no, it's absolutely right. And you, the question is, why not? Mm. They, well, I'll tell you why not, oh. if you want me to tell you. I do want to The BBC f***ed yeah. up Top of the Pops yeah. through the industry. They shot themselves in the foot. Suddenly, on Top of the Pops, they're allowing album tracks. And then they're allowing we're going to support this week Manta Street Preachers, and they're going to have two songs on Top of the Pops yeah, that is. weren't even singles. So you get people are going, well, well, why are they on Top of I don't even like them. The only reason I watch Top of the Pops because I hope the record i bought is on Top of the Pops. Yeah. One reflects the, the way the public responded to it. Yeah. So Top of the Pops used to be, uh, or claimed to be, a reflection of what people were buying. And you could only be on top of the pops if you went in the chart high enough and you were going up the charts. Yeah. As soon as you start to drop, they wouldn't play you. So there was there were rules. They flouted all those rules, opened the door to the industry saying, can we pay to have our band on? Can we mm-hmm. do that? And then, so then you lose the market. You lose the... You lose. How, 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 do you, how do you tell what the market wants? And then you get... Uh, so Woolworths used to be a sounding board and then Woolworths lost the plot because they had Entertainment UK, which is the buying wing for the... And then she was buying up all the shelf space. Mm. So you couldn't get your record on the shelf even if you wanted. So as soon as you manipulate it so tightly, you strangle it. And it just went down and down and down. So Top of the Pops lost its audience. They moved it to BBC Two. They changed the name, tried to rebrand it. They did all sorts of things. But they had done it themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's brilliantness. So how they're going to bring it back is frightening. It's frightening to the record industry. Because mm. if you really open it all up to, the record that people are actually buying gets reflected on top of the pops, mm. which goes to an audience of six million, ten million. They don't want that. Yeah, of course not. Unless they open the door properly. And they'd be better off doing it. I mean, Walkman and I Waterman used to say it years ago, I've said it so many times, y- y- it's just pop music. <laughs> just let it go. Yeah. Let it happen and respond to what they want and yeah. make more like it. You know, we used to have the thing, we, we, if we had a hit with Kylie, Rocky 1, we'd make Rocky 2 mm. and Rocky 3. Mm. If they, oh, all right, Rocky 6, we fed up with it. Okay, we won't do it, no, Rocky 7. You know, you don't just say, well, you like that, so we're going to give you something different, which is what the, 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 you were saying the, some of the artists do. You know, they wanted to be a rock star. I mean, Jason, like Midnight Oil or... Um, Oh, the other one, In Excess. and yes, uh, yes. And a bit, you, you, you're a pop star. Yes. Chase don't go there. And you're a bloody good pop star. Yeah, you're a brilliant... Beautiful, blonde, young you, surfer dude. You know, yeah, exactly. Um...
3: I'm going to let you go in a minute. I could talk to you all afternoon. I lo- honestly, I'm fanboying out here. This is wonderful. A couple of quick things. Are you still in touch with the other two? Are you friends with the other two? Is there beef or anything?
4: Well, there was beef at one point. Uh, not between Matt and me, but between Matt being Pete. Uh, we started to go to court to iron a few things out, but then we pulled out and let it go. Um, but Matt and I will still talk. Pete and I of we meet each other. We did a Kylie thing a couple of years back right. uh, for her... Uh, Sister just a Kylie remix they wanted us to do a Saw remix so we got together Pete and I and Matt And we'd do that tomorrow if someone said, here's a reason. Um, So there's no animosity, really. Uh, A lot of water's flown under the bridge. Matt's Matt's been keeping quiet. He does what he does. I don't really know what he does. Waterman's semi-retired, I think. Um, I just don't know what I'm going to do in my time if I don't go in the studio. It's a hobby. I love it so much, so I just keep doing it. And there's always another song to write. There's always a better song to write. There's always a young artist needs a hit.
3: And so what, what have you got now? You've got, a, you've got a group next week, is it, that's coming in that aren't
4: named? I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not naming them just yet. Okay. Three, uh, four girls in a group. Um, I've got... Uh, like I say, I've just been recently doing a girl who's six, a young girl who's sixteen. I've got, um, I've got a couple of uh, other irons in the fire for particular music projects rather yeah. than band or artist projects. So I'm just constantly doing stuff. You know, mm. I've got, you know, I've got enough to keep me going for the next five years.
3: Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> Thank you so much for the records, you know, genuinely. Because I, I, when I, when I, I realised when I tweeted you saying, you, sir, are a wizard and a machine. That could, be, could have been taken either way. That could have been. I don't
1: mind that.
4: I don't mind that. I mean, a lot of people said, I argue with Pete when used to call us the hit factory. That sounds a bit like a sausage-making yeah. thing, which I didn't particularly like. But I suppose I do go in the studio and with a plan to write a song. You know, yeah. I've never come out of one without written, writing one. You, know, you always come away with a song. Um, never met any position where I couldn't write myself out of it or, um, or come back with a blank sheet of paper.
3: I think you're brilliant, and it's, honestly, it's such a thrill to meet you, and it's so I'm so pleased to see that...
4: Can I, can I reciprocate? I oh, Because I saw your TV show when you first started. Oh, bless you. I did, with, uh, with Daisy Donovan, Daisy Donovan, was yeah? It, yeah. And I, I, I loved it. I loved all that stuff. I think, I watched you on Periscope when you had been to the first thing, that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched you do it, and I just think, what you do, you're thinking on your feet, you're permanently there, yes, you're looking on your you're doing it's brilliant i could never do that if i worked 100 years i know you can do that i know i can write songs but i know you can do that i could never do that
3: thank you very much indeed
1: trip into the twilight zone of late night radio with Ian. Unmissable late night radio with the original king of unconventional conversation. Make contact with Ian Lee. The late night alternative with Ian Lee on talk radio.
3: Here we go. At two minutes past eleven on Friday, the whatever it is of September. Thank you to Mike Stock for that. that was, I loved it, loved it, loved it, and so did a lot of you on Twitter. Um, uh, that'll be a, a podcast next week, so you can carry it a round in your pockets. I was thrilled beyond belief. Got Robin, nice As- Asquith coming up a bit later on. Um, a little bit of problems with the phones. The Wi-Fi is... is well, the Wi-Fi here is crap anyway. I have no idea um, what, why we even bother with the Wi-Fi. But the Wi-Fi is down. Um, and the phones are being a bit funny. So what we'll do, I thought, for this hour is we will take calls straight to air. OK? Um, uh, uh, and that should hopefully should uh, be OK. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, don't swear, don't be libelous. There's a seven-second delay and I have a dump button. Apart from that, you can come on and say anything you want. Line one, you're on the wireless.
1: I think i will me rest. Sorry? I think i rest. Oh.
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: is it? Uh. Hey. Are you dying? Yeah. You're dying? That's my right.
3: Well, it's, um, it's, it's, I'd like to say it's been a pleasure knowing you, Jerry, but I don't want to lie to a dying man.
1: It's been a pleasure with
3: you, Mr. Lee. Well... I'll see you in the next life, except there isn't one. Let's go to line number two. Line number two, you're on the wireless. Nope, okay, you're not there. Let's go to line number three. Line number three, you're on the wireless. Hello? Hello, line three, you're on the wireless. Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Well, you're on the wireless. Yeah, uh, I've got an idea for a new TV series. Beautiful! This is what we need! It's a reimagining of Mork and Mindy. Oh, yes. Called, called Nork and Mindy. I like it. Go on. It, it'll star... Uh, what's her name? Uh, who's seen Prince Harry? Yes, Meg- Meghan Markle's. She, Yeah, she's uh, Mindy. Yes. Nork is played by Kim jong Oh. And their son is played by George Galloway. Um, It sounds perfect. I'm in. Let's make it happen. Let's go to line four. Four, you're on the wireless. No, <coughs> oh, OK. Uh, let's go to line five. Line five, you're on the wireless. <laughs> OK, all right. It's going to be one of those nights, is it? Let's go to line six. Six, you're on the wireless.
5: <laughs> what the hell is this?
3: OK, I don't know what that is. Let's go to line seven. Oh, jeez, my ears! Uh, right, the phones are... Uh, <laughs> <sighs> I'm going, to, I'm going to close phone box and I'm going to reopen phone box and maybe that we got, we'll got get rid of what I believe they used to call in the olden days Gremlins in the system. Gremlins in the... I'm not Jake Yap, I'm Ian Lee. There we go. And, and, oh, 0344 499 four, 1000 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, let's go to line one. One, you're on the wireless. Hello, line one. Line one is not there. Let's go to line two. Line two,
5: you're on the wireless. What is this? What the hell, what the hell
3: is that? The nut jobs are out in force today. Let's go to uh, let's go to the other end. Let's go to line ten. Ten, you're on the wireless. Hello, line ten.
1: Jesus
3: <laughs> nope. Let's try. Um, <laughs> Imagine, guys, a phone-in show where the phones don't work and the host hasn't got any material. Um, let's try line two. Not
5: nope. es that's that.
3: Okay, let's try line three. <laughs> okay, this is, uh, this is, <laughs> this is rubbish. Um, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll tell you what we'll do. i tell you what we'll do. Um, let's have an outbreak.
1: Tales of mystery and imagination on the radio show that does things differently. Story parts and I listen to a record as the long. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee. I'm a nutjob, job, but not back on a nutjob. On talk radio. Honest to
0: God, it's the new breaking bad. Oh no! Nice.
3: Do you know what the worst thing in the world is when you're really hungry and you look over and you see there's a prêt-à-manger bag and you look in there and it's empty. That's just, that's, that's, um, uh, I believe a cocktease is the, uh, the correct phrase. We'll try and take some more. We're having a few technical problems tonight. Nothing to worry about. And we've rebooted the system. That should do it. Let's go to line number one. Line number one, you're on the wireless. <laughs> that's not done it. Let's go to line number two. Line number two, you're on the wireless. Thank you. One no, that's that again. Let's go to line number three. Line number three, can you hear me? <laughs> what is this? Shut up, Hello? OK, I can't... Uh,
1: <laughs> <geez>.
3: <laughs> Good luck with uh, whoever's filling in for me um, next week. Bye. Um... Thinks on his feet. Thinks on his feet. Right. This is what we'll do. Um, I'm making an exact. Is the is the Robin Asquith interview ready? Okay. Right. So I went out. We'll play that now. Uh, uh, so I went out to see Robin Asquith today. Um, I, I, let me. I just want to flag up one thing. Um, he talks about smoking a fat joint with Jimi Hendrix. Okay. And uh, in the interview, I didn't say don't do drugs, kids. Um, but to be honest, if, if, even if I was offered a joint from Jimi Hendrix, I probably would, but kids, don't do drugs. So, so he's telling a story about something that happened a long, long time ago, and I'm sure he regrets it, so don't do drugs. Um, but Robin Asquith has been around forever, and is just a really, really nice bloke, and he's doing some live shows, um, and I think you'll find him interesting. So, um... Let's have the Robin Asquith interview. Can we sort these bloody phones out? Absolute bollocks are not working. Today, I am going to meet British acting legend Robin Asquith. Um, There's one for the the teenagers. You'll know him from things like Confessions of a Window Cleaner, Confessions of a Pop Performer, the Confessions movies... um, the uh, Bless This House movie, and he's popped up in Coronation Street and Hollyoaks and things like that. Here's the rub. I'm late, I'm sweaty and I'm smelly because I totally misjudged my clothing today and I had to run for a bus. I hope he's not too annoyed with me. Here we go. There is Robin Asquith pointing to me out the window. Look at this. This is nice. Oh, hello, mate. Well done, matey. I made it. Well done. I've got...
0: i you <laughs> Perfect,
4: perfect recording.
0: Perfect. It's nice to meet you, man. Oh, nice to get in. Oh. Sorry, no, mate. That's
1: right.
0: No, Sorry. No, morning, <laughs> sorry. morning. Right. Uh, because, uh, and that's... It's the journey to the kettle for the cup of tea right. is now a, a whole sort of uh, <laughs> situation comedy. Whereas, you know, you know what it used to be like, you used to get up in the morning, yeah. oh, can I have a cup of tea and get yeah. up and go, oh, oh, make a cup of tea, what am I going to do today? Yeah. Now it's, oh, dear, oh, my back, oh, my front, everything goes, and, and it's the journey journey to get a cup of tea next to the bed it takes bloody hours. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing. Once that's, that's changing, going,
3: that's, uh, you're that's, off that's, and away. Sure. Wow. Let's talk about, look, there's so much I want to talk about, but let's, talk about the live show, because I think a lot of it is going to kind of cross over. What is this live show that you're doing?
0: Um, it, I was... Uh, an original episode I did, did of Benidorm, uh, Series 3, um, I was uh, going out every you night, know, as one did, uh, at, while shooting Benidorm, and it was all the likes of um, Steve Pemberton and uh, the late... Jeff Hutchins and Siobhan Finn and, you know, the, all the crowd. Uh, and Darren Lytton, of course, the writer and creator. Uh, and Darren and I became great friends. And uh, I, I would be sort of three o'clock in the morning telling stories about getting stoned with Jimi Hendrix or, or, um, uh, I was going to say shagging, but I sure we can't say that you on can, this project. Can say, say shagging? shagging yes, can, can, can I? Can say shagging? Um, I've got to point out, ladies and gentlemen, or whoever's listening, I was given very strict instructions <laughs> on what words I can and cannot use. Uh, and, um, you know, um, th- there were certain um, th- sort of stories about very, very famous people. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I shouldn't say Princess Margaret, but, you know, when you end up in bed with Princess Margaret, and um, this must mostly be denoted stuff that this would be in the old days, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm entertaining at the tape, and one day Darren said, you know, you should do this as a show. I said, yeah. I can't do it as a show. I said, because it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm drunk and I said how do I recreate three o'clock in the morning and drunk but it's always sat in my mind that you know I had an extraordinary um story to tell yeah, yeah. um because of the era I went through and also the eclectic work uh, he he says sh- showing off uh, 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 people just think oh confession films or whatever yeah. but obviously there's a little bit more to it than that that was just a few weeks of one year for four years um And it all ranges from Pier Paolo Pasolini through to Charlotte Rambling, (laughs) excuse the expression, and... um... And Sir James, and, and and Jimi Hendrix, and uh, and all sorts of Princess Margaret.
3: <laughs> you, so, 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 did, so, he convinced you that doing a live show was well, he was a go.
0: It, it didn't actually convince me uh, because, as I said, how could I recreate being on form with yeah. a very captive audience of people all legless at three o'clock in the morning? But what happened was it always sat in the back of my mind. And I'm a huge admirer of stand-up performers, mm. uh, particularly a friend of mine, Billy Connolly, who was most probably uh, the forerunner of all of them, really. Jesus,
1: yeah.
3: Uh,
0: because it didn 't exist stand up when he did what he did, the stream of consciousness thing, and um, and I thought i would if ever ever, ever i 'd have the nerve ever to do it because it 's to stand up on stage for an hour and an hour and a half and talk uh, uh, and be vaguely entertaining mm. um, it is is a bit daunting so i didn 't know whether it would work anyway, so what happened was about um four years ago. Um, I was invited by th- 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 this um, sort of event uh, club, Misty Moon Events Film Society, to to be qu- uh, do a Q uh, and A, uh, and and there were sort of various people there, like Matthew Sweet and God knows a lo- lot of um, people that knew a lot about film and mm. seemed to lo- know a lot about me, and there was also the bloke with the anorak, and there was the the girl with the short skirt. There was a, the the o- the audience was quite interesting, and. I quite enjoyed it, and I thought, oh yes, I am very witty and funny. And uh, but then when I'm, you know, I'm very realistic, and I, th- I thought, oh no, I'm not too sure. So I did a few more. I did the Camden the- uh, Theatre Festival, Camden Festival, um, I, d- I sort of went out to different places to try Brighton, always with someone else on the stage. Like even Darren. Darren Lytton came and did one with me. And he said, you should be by yourself. I said, no, when you're there, Derren, you know, it's like a sort of safety net. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'd go off and he wouldn't say a word, Bless him. said, I'd drive him mad. <laughs> But um if I use him as a prop <laughs> um, and uh, in the nicest possible way. And um, he, I then suddenly thought, no, I'm going to have a go by myself. Mm. And uh, my poor girlfriend, Tracy, had to put up with me uh, for a day, uh, lying on a bed, going, oh,
1: oh, oh, oh.
0: Uh, and I've since spoken to people like Johnny Vegas, who say they, oh, everybody goes through the same yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, it's just absolutely... A- abject fear no, the,
1: the
3: terror of putting yourself on on stage just you for to entertain paying
0: people for an hour and a half it's insane
1: it's, it's insane. insane
0: it's insane but the strange thing Ian, it is once you step on the stage yeah. um you're not worried about anything yeah off i go and i yeah. asked to, to drop his name again uh, billy Connolly, you know what is it um, and I'm not comparing my talent to his, but I said, what is it? What actually happens? And he explained it it's like, being it's like a filing cabinet in your head, mm. and it's there, and things slot into place. Yeah. And But before you go on stage, you go, oh, what if something, nothing slots into place? But
1: it well, does, it, it always does.
0: It, it, it seems to, at the it moment. has so far. It has so far. <laughs> um, and so, um, I'm doing a, a full on tour next year, but this is just, I'm just doing a few little tickles now. Right. I'm doing one in Oxford on the 6th of October, which is sold out. I'm doing one at the Phoenix Artist Club, which isn't sold out, which uh, it will be after however, they hear oh, me God. tonight. What, <laughs> day, what date is that one? That's the 10th of October, okay. Tuesday, at 915 at the Phoenix Artist Club. But you're doing a tour next year, because I want to come and see it. I want to okay. come and have some of this. I uh, may say, people like Darren. Litton and Steve Edge and people just to lure you in will be at the gig. There's going to be quite a few mickey-takers there and... uh... Oh, heckling is, uh, is welcomed. Oh, heckling is welcomed. Of course it is. Um, I heckle the audience. <laughs> I heckle. And sometimes I do questions and answers. Because I hate questions and answers. I hate it. Yeah. It's just such a cop-out. I do answers and questions. And I say, you give me the answer and I'll give you the question. Or I'll give you the answer. I, the answer is Charlotte Rampling. What's the question? <laughs> you, you know, we... Uh, oh, I love that.
3: I hate it when I go and see a show and the second half is right. They're going to do a Q&A. No, I've, I've paid 20 quid, 10 quid. Give me some more entertainment. Exactly. Um, uh, Tell me about getting stoned with Jimi Hendrix, because I didn't know that. Did you? No. There's a lot you don't know about me. Tell
0: me. Yeah, well, I was uh, doing a film called Hans Brinker and the Silver Skates. Oh, Uh, oh, look, he's... Oh, shit! Oh, no! No, Is that your phone? That's my phone. Oh, oh, that's all right. That's (laughs) okay. I've spilt water everywhere. Oh, it's a comedy business. There we go. Let's get this. Look at this. No, they they didn't... You've got to to put all this in. Oh, this is going in. This is the highlight. I've got to explain what he's done. (laughs) He's just spilled on a priceless... Oh, God. uh, It looks antique. He smashed smashed the Ming vase. Don't mention the vase. Oh, he's put his foot through a Picasso. Oh, God! It's like one of your films with less boots. I know. There we go. There we go. Only, and worry. only one tip. <laughs> <laughs> you doing very well. I'm not no, forget it. I'd read that paper, by the way. The, stop the paper. But no, don't worry about this. I'm I want to keep the interview going. i have worried. Leave alone. We're done. We're
3: done. Thank you. Sorry. Sorry about the glass of water. Yeah, that's all right. I don't know. You
0: see, this is how. I'm having a nice cup of tea. It's I will not spill it at all.
1: I'll now, spill it
0: uh, Jimmy Hendrix. You got all excited, didn't you? That's what it
1: was.
0: Oh, yes. Hang on. I'll tell you. Do on. Lovely cup of tea. Uh, Same, you haven't got a drink. (laughs) Um, I was doing a film called Hans Brinker and the Silver Skates. A a Hollywood film in which I played Hans Brinker. I was only 19, in which I had to sing and dance on ice. Um, But that is a whole other story. I get it. But the producers, as a treat, we were in Hamburg. um, Obviously, this was just before he died. Well, it wasn't after. Um, He... he, um, he, er, uh, th- they said, look, we've got tickets to Jimi Hendrix, um, Some sort of the leading actors who, who was wow. m- me, um, Richard Basehart, the yeah. American actor, John Gregson, a few others, a few of the o- other young people, I don't think anybody became famous out of that, no. Um, uh, we were invited to go and see, and we were sitting on the front row, and I, I before I was an actor, I, I was a drummer, um... Uh, and was thrown out of the band and was re- replaced by Phil Collins. Um, but that, that is another story. You see, see what happens with this show? I go off. I it's it. tangents. Yeah. And, but you see, eventually I get back to the point. <laughs> this is what happens with the show. Yeah. Uh, do you know I'm going to start the next show? I'm going to start with my birth. I'm going to go, right, I want to do what Eddie Izzard, I want to do a, a, a sort of chronological order of my life. Yeah. But, but it will go off, yeah, you know, like, like this has. But I'm going to keep this, because it was a radio interview, down to the original story... Um, so I um, was absolutely in awe of Jimi Hendrix, obviously. And there I was on the front row. And then uh, somebody came and said, uh, some German promoter said, had, uh, Mr. Hendrix would very much like Dimitri. And I thought, oh my God, wow. is that, I'm like 19. Yeah. So me and the uh, John Gregson, give of a monkeys, Richard that you know, they, they were deaf, but they'd gone yeah. deaf. Um, he set fire to his guitar, done the whole thing, purple trousers, uh, and I had purple trousers on. Anyways, this girl came to pick us up, and I'm not joking, Ian, she, had, um, she had a ladder up her tights, yeah. um, high heels, I've never been the same since, and a split skirt, and it was when I say split, it was a skirt that was split, Gosh, all right? Yes. Uh, she had uh, smoking a, a spliff, uh, and had been slightly sick down her shirt, oh. uh, blouse. And I was absolutely drawn to this look. Wow. And it's affected my sex life to this day. Yeah. because Because it, I found it absolutely exotic and erotic. Even the, even the sick bit worked oh, for I you. Loved it loved, wow. it. loved it. Loved it. Loved it. That was the sort of... Oh. it was the icing... Oh, icing, that was yes. the icing on the whatever. Uh, anyway, so this girl then said, uh, you know, come and come meet Jimmy, my man, come on, and all this. And so I followed this girl with my friends. I, I don't feel enough with this girl. She's do yeah. great. So I. And uh, he's got, oh, hi, Mr. Brinkerman. He, he didn't know who I was. He knew I was starring in a film yeah, that was right. Mr. Brinkerman, come in. And he sat cross legged with huge, great big wide belt and yeah. uh, with huge, great big Camberwell carrots, you know, <laughs> smoking. Uh, hey, Mr. Mr Brinkerman. No, I'd never smoked anything in my life, you yeah. know. I was, believe it or not, very, very straight. I was a public school boy and I was making a film trying to remember lines. And I was handing this huge spliff. Wow. And I go, oh, that's. that's And I got absolutely off my tits. Incredible. Yeah. With Jimi Hendrix, and then, of course, tried to pull the girl, which went all horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, I ended up, in fact, with another girl that was there, um, who turned out to be a man. (laughs) Uh, yeah. That's crazy 60s and 70s, and huh? It was, and it was Hamburg.
3: Yeah. Uh, now, you're speaking of Hendrix, as a reminder, I've, I've, we share a mutual friend. You're, oh. you're mates with Mickey Dolenz. Oh,
0: very
3: good. Uh, yeah, and he's a, he's, a, he's a friend of mine. I've worked was with me. Yeah, yeah, how did you... Uh, you were you... Because he was over here in the 80s, wasn't he, directing yes. and things?
0: Um, well, I met him in the 70s. Hi there. Um, hi, M- Mickey. Um, <laughs> you've been warned about the impersonations. <laughs> yes. Hi now. Um, <laughs> hi. Um, so... In the 70s, a guy called David Bell, who was the head of Light Entertainment Mm. at London Weekend, um, uh, because they'd been sort of circling me for a while to do a television series, Uh, David Bell put us together uh, to try and do something on television. In in about 78, this was, uh, I I was doing I Love My Wife at the Prince of Wales, and... um, uh, and uh, well, we sort of went out and hung out a lot. Got on very, very well. And we're friends. We're friends to this day. Yeah. Uh, and, and at one point, we're very, very close. And he's been out to see me in Gozo, and um, you know, we 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 played. And um, let's let's say, and my case comes up next week. Funny enough, but um, um, uh, and uh, it never did come. We never did actually work together yeah. at all. Um. You
3: mentioned the Confessions films being a tiny part of your life. Mm. Do you feel, when we were talking before we started, we were talking about Richard O'Sullivan, um, who's, you know, who's very, very poorly and has kind of retired from public life quite some time ago. But d- do you feel that because of the Confessions films, that perhaps you've not got the credit that you perhaps deserve? Do you, do you feel that you've been pigeonholed as that saucy comedy kind of thing and nothing else?
0: You've got, when this question is asked, which obviously it has been, Asked many, many times. Yeah, I have to be very careful I don't go down the bitter route. I remember doing an interview for The Mail on Sunday, Adrian DeVoy, a very good writer, uh, and it was, a, I thought, a pretty good interview. And um, I was doing a pantomime at the time in Sheffield, uh, and the leader was, Robin Asquith says he's not bitter. Oh, yes, he is. Right. And I thought, oh, God, yeah, I've got to be so careful when I answer that, because there is... Uh, a bit of bitterness in me about that, yeah, that- uh, because because as, there's a theater director a uh, prolific theater director called michael rudman uh who offered me loads of work which um i turned down and he said it perfectly he said robin the trouble is you played that part too well mm. and uh it's like i've it's here's the bitter bit it's like i've never been forgiven yeah, for, for for playing that part in its time, of course. Uh, apart from being hugely pop, uh, popular, it was um, looked down upon by my peers. Right, yeah. uh, it was um, we were Greg Smith, the producer, and I weren't even invited to awards ceremony, and I won the most promising newcomer. And we, I don't think we were invited. We got in uh, because Columbia Film said. I'd got wind that I'd won it, apparently. I didn't know I'd won it. Um, got wind that i won it and said he's got to be there. They didn't want, me, they didn't want us to be anything part of the British mm. film industry. So, so obviously I am a little... It, it, it's a very sensitive subject because as Tony Booth, the late Tony Booth, uh, said if we'd be an American kid, we'd be millionaires yeah. and we'd be a lot more successful than we are yeah. because here we are making films that are making money uh, and are popular, uh, uh, and now we can't get arrested. It's like the, the complete upside down of America. We we were successful and and turned away. Britain, Britain has, a, and I think. Do
3: you know what? I, you don't sound too bitter, and I think bitterness is okay. I think it, you know it's a valid thing. Um, Britain has a weird thing of 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 allowing people to get successful, but. Also sticking two fingers up to them at the same time, I think. And I feel that that's what's happened to you. Because I know you've done loads of theatre. I know you do pantomime every year. I know you've been in Coronation You've been in Benidorm. You've been in so many other things. But those... It was only four films, wasn't yeah. it, The Confession? Yeah. Those
0: four films seem to
3: follow you everywhere.
0: Um, well, it's good and bad. Obviously, when I do these one-man shows, m- the core audience are huge Confession fans. Yeah. So I'm, I don't want it to sound like to them, I don't want to upset them or disrespect th- them because there are people that enjoy those yeah, films yeah, yes, and, and all these years later um, look back on them as a piece, a very important piece of, of cinema history. Um, but um, they uh, they'd certainly changed my life and changed my career. Because, as you say, I was a working actor, I was working with people like Pasolini and Lindsay Anderson, who was a great friend of mine, uh, and I was doing a, a, a lot in theatre, uh, and making a lot of what you'd call independent films now for people like Peter Walker and Richard Gordon, Anthony Bush, um, and I was I'd make carry-on films, I was in Bless This House. You know, the, the list goes on. Yeah. Um, and when I was offered Confessions of a Window Cleaner, I remember looking at the script and thinking, I'm not too sure about this. Uh, and I wasn't too sure about it. I, you know, I had a twinge that there's that something, that something odd going on here. And I said to my agent at the time, Hazel Malone, I said, I'm not sure. And then it became a Columbia film. It became a much bigger operation. Um, and <clears throat> eventually I got lured into it. Uh, because it was a film, and the, the narrative of Confessions of a Window Cleaner is very clear and very good. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, there's actually quite a, a, quite believe it or not, quite a multi-layered story yeah. in the fact that it's a virgin, mm-hmm. losing his virginity, uh, that, that you had the working class guy falling in love with the middle class oh, girl. Oh, is uh, th- there is actually a story there. Um, uh, bizarrely, the, to me, the rest of them had no narrative at all. And uh, inevitably, people say, "Oh no, Confessions of a Pop form is my favourite, or, or th- they won't necessarily pick out that film. Yeah. But I took that film uh, because, in the end, I thought, "Yeah, it's a story and it's a film." But in the back of my mind, and yeah. I thought it'll go away, you know, like a lot of other films. Because yeah. in those days, you'd make a film like Cool It, Carol, or Horror Hospital, which has since now become cultish. In those days, they're the only out the way they could be seen would be in the cinema. Oh, that's it. You get yeah. cinema run, and then you wouldn't hear of it That was it. And in cases of films, independent films, is they didn't have the distribution of, say, uh, um, a Rank mm. or EMI. Uh, they were distributed by small companies like Miracle, and they'd go to sort of art house cinemas. So, um, but th- they were g- good films to make. So, so, in other words, I then, having, by then, ma- I'd made about 20 films by then, and with all sorts of different people, and in, in the end, it sort of it ground a bit to, to yeah. a halt. Um, uh, I, 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 you know, I joked at the most promising newcomer awards. I made some joke, I think, about um, uh, I, I believe uh, Glenda Jackson told me this would add add a naught to my earnings. Um, I just want people to know I'm still very cheap. That was the gag I did. And I didn't work for months. Really? After that. Yeah. Because I'd won an award com- for Confessions of a Pop Performer, actually. Um, tell me about Lindsay Anderson. What, what was that like working no, with him? I loved him. I loved him pieces. Uh, he was the finest director. Absolute genius and, and artist. Re- artist. Yeah. I worked for him. Britannia Hospital, obviously. If it came out now, it's the right time. He was, it was most, it was prescient and, um, and, um, prophetic. And, um... And way ahead of its time, um, and it's now being re-reviewed and re, um, re- realigned yeah. uh, into into movie in, into movie history. Uh, Lindsay, I met I met um, I was um, at a public school with Merchant Taylors, and I was in a, a school production of Richard the Third, mm. and um, my nose fell off. And then I had a uh, you know a sort of Laurence <laughs> Olivier nose. I was Richard Third, by the way, and. Uh, I, as it fell off, I turned to the audience and went, A nose, a nose, my kingdom, I which I thought was a very clever, iambic ad lib. Yeah. Uh, but of course, I was told that I would never be in a school production again. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. Uh, and the, everybody loved it. Yeah. But typical, I was, and of course, it's the dream start. Lindsay Anderson was there and yes. gave me his card. He was with a, a lady called Miriam Brickman, who was a the casting director, and said, I'm making this film called The Crusaders. Um, we're, and we can't, we're looking for people uh, to play rebellious public school boys. So I went through a process of about eight auditions. Um, and this was before I was, I was going to Bristol University to mm. read English and Drama. And, um, and eventually, eventually they cast the main parts older. Malcolm Dow was a lot older than me, Richard Warwick was a lot older than yeah. me, and David Wood was a lot older than everyone. Um, and so I was put in as a senior but then I, I was a lot younger. But I had a part that went the whole way through the film, and I'm very grateful because uh, it, it wasn't. It, I, it was a, it was like a, a school of film mm-hmm. to work for eight weeks because I was on practically every day um, to work for eight weeks with Lindsay Anderson. But and of course I didn't know who Lindsay Anderson was. No. I mean, I did by the end of it, and I'd seen this Sporting Life and White Bus and and some of his documentaries, and and uh, and he took a liking to me, you know. He took a, a liking to me, and was he was my mentor, if you like, to the day uh, <clears throat> he died. And um, and he would find the good in everything, like Confessions of a Window Cleaner. I'd, oh, Lindsay, you know, when it came out, he said, "Well, Robert, I've just seen it in Poland." <laughs> so he, he said, "It works in Poland." <laughs> I don't know what that meant, but he was... A, to, uh, I'm... I have uh, my doubts about a lot of directors, uh, but he's one that had complete control over me. Uh, yeah. And I'd most probably my best screen performance uh, is in Britannia Hospital. I mean, he he, he was brilliant with me, because I would say things like, oh, oh, I've got a great idea, Linz. And he'd go, can I just stop you there, Robin? i said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, you know when you say that? i said, say, yeah. He said, you don't know how my heart sinks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> brilliant.
0: It's brilliant, and I go no. But Linz, at the end of the day, see, at the end of the day, it's dark, <laughs> uh, and we're moving swiftly on. He 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 put me down in front of everyone, and I loved it. I loved. it. He was just he was a serious academic, a seriously bright yeah. man, way bright brighter than me. But took time out to um, to. He obviously saw something in me, and and was always most encouraging. Even though I did a pantomime. There's there's the letters of Lindsay, Lindsay Anderson, a book. And some of the letters are backwards and forwards. I don't know how they got hold, got hold of the letters. Obviously, made carbon copies <clears throat> about me complaining, working, doing a pantomime with Ian Botham, uh, who was a pal of mine, I may say. But it was quite a an adventure, let's say, uh, yes, doing d- being on stage with Ian uh, night after night. It was a bit like him batting with me in, in Lord. Yeah. It, it was a,
4: it was it,
0: it's a struggle, perhaps a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Uh, Uh, And sometimes included in my show are the Ian Botham stories. They're not for your radio show. (laughs) Um, And because uh, you need to be on drugs, I think, to listen to them. Um, But he was very sort of... um, uh, He was very sweet in his letters about... He came out with the positives of doing theatre with Ian Botham and he equated it with Brecht. Oh,
1: brilliant. I know. How Very
0: Brechtian. uh, And uh, he, he sort of... Intellectualised being on stage with Ian both of them. Fantastic.
3: How much fun was Coronation Street? I mean,
0: that's, that's like um, um,
3: Mike TV in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, isn't it? Suddenly you're inside the television.
0: I know, it's crazy. Coronation Street, I remember the first episode. Um, I was. I, I'm from Lancashire, and I remember sitting in my granny's house watching on our little black and white television with a magnifying glass. Yeah. You're far too young to No, it? I don't. My,
3: my nan had that. My with nan the magnifying glass. She, she had the was, was on, on. Like, No, hers was. Um, hers was on a stand, and it was like a, it was like a big
0: screen, and you would push it up in front of the screen. Oh, no, ours was strapped. Um, ours was a strap-on. Oh, say, <laughs> yes. because Yes, it was <laughs> Yeah, uh, nothing and, and, less. and uh, nothing less. And uh, a, a huge magnifying glass. And so I remember Coronation Street, and I lived with Coronation Street, like everyone else, through their whole lives. And I'd done a little bit in the 90s, because the director, Duncan Foster, who knew me, uh, they were filming in Malta, and they lured me in to play, just do a little bit in one episode, and I thought that'd be it. So many, many years later... Um, the casting director, Janet Hampson, had this thing about me playing this rock star part. Um, and I was sailing at the time round Sicily. And, um, they, they... I said, I can't get back to do a screen test. Um, so I thought I'd lost the part. So what I did, I went into, um, a Sicilian um it was like a, a photograph studio yeah uh, but it was like it, i looked like one of those hostages you know one of those videos of being send the money or yeah, i'll have a, my head chopped off. yeah yeah, yeah. Things, it? yeah it looked like there was i was begging for my life um because it was a sort of dusty wall broken <laughs> wall behind me and i did this um screen test and then they they said look it's just you, it's just so good, Robin. Mm. But we can't give you the part. Uh, you've got to come back and do a screen test with uh, Sue Johnson. Mm. So, I thought, oh Jesus Christ! So they sent me the six pages um, to learn, and then I flew back and I did the. T- I was cheating myself to do six pages with Sue Johnson, who uh, is a fantastic oh, had, actress. Yeah. and and I just I just nailed it that day. I just. No, that sadly the scene was never used because the original plot was completely different. Yeah. Um, and for the whole thing of reason of things, it it didn't take off the way it was supposed to. The guy was supposed to crack up and fail, and actually maybe stay a bit longer as a romantic interest with Sue Johnson. But Sue Johnson decided to leave um, uh, the series. Uh, Philip Lowry left. The whole any storyline around my character yeah. had gone. So so I, so I saw my contract out. I did what I was. Always expected, but I would have loved to have stayed on. But what? Uh, but I was Barbara Knox, uh, Philip Lowry, um, Malcolm Hebden. He's oh, a naughty man, Malcolm. Bet, Hebden. Is he really? Oh yes. Hey, before a take, he'd say, uh, you, "You know, I, I'm just about to say, uh, you know, and I'm, you're a bit nervous because you're a guest. Yeah, you can't really relax, and you're on, you're in the Rovers." Yeah. And he said, "You're a man who knows about testicles," and I thought. <laughs> Where the hell's this going? He said, "Mine are black." He said, "And I need to know why I've got black testicles." Action! <laughs> I said, Where No, no, no!" I said, "I can't speak now." <laughs> I've been asked by Malcolm about his black testicles. <laughs> and that and, and of course the threats come around. You all right, Robin. Yeah. I said, "No, I'm fine." And Malcolm, I don't know what like, I don't know what he's talking <laughs> about.
1: <laughs> he told me you got black
0: testicles. I never did. So there, the there,
1: incredible.
0: Um, so it was great, I, and I was most made. St- made to feel most yeah. welcome and anna Kirkbride was who i never did a scene with used to throw her arms around me every day uh she just loved she loved yeah. me and i loved her i thought she was great and uh, and i remember she said oh you're not leaving you're not leaving i said well no the, my storyline's finished that that's the end she said but robin we we want you back we love you And oh, it's, oh, it's, a, it's only ink <laughs> she lives <"It's> only ink. <laughs> and She would
3: shout at the producers. I d- would you do that if you were offered a permanent slot in Coronation Street or, or um, East Enders? Would you Would you go and do it? Because yeah, I it can was. see you in one of
0: those. He uh, said a bit different from Coronation yeah. Street. Coronation Street. It, I, I, I'm not saying anything against East Enders. Um, my friend um, uh, Shane Ritchie uh, was, was in a few. But you know, I've had a lot of friends in, in East Enders. Nothing against East Enders, but there's, there's some. There's something a little bit more humourful, if that's oh, a word. Is, I think, is quite
3: dry. And dry. It, it, uh, Coronation Street, it, it's just like a sitcom sometimes.
0: Sometimes it is. Yeah. And then it'll turn. It'll yeah. be about depression, oh. abortion, um, it'll be murder. It... it, it,
3: it but it has that lightness. that I don't think EastEnders has. Uh
0: no. Mm. No, no, de- definitely. Definitely. And that's nothing against EastEnders, because I would happily be I- I- in EastEnders um, b- uh, I- if an interesting part came along. Yeah. But I, I- if... if and it has been talked about, that character going back, because yeah. it's such a great character, a rock star, who's gone, shot to pieces, in Coronation Street. Yeah, um, yeah I would go back, like a shot, playing that part. Because I think he, if he was to open, like, a little uh, vinyl record shop, he'd gone, <laughs> in, in Coronation Street. And say so you've got me, I've got short hair now, but with the long hair, a vinyl record shop, and the mayhem that I mm. could cause, uh, and maybe, maybe sort... Norris's black testicles out. <laughs> Sid James, absolute, you know, legend. What was he like? Um, it was great. He was he was very re- he was responsible, um, uh, really, for moving me a step on because I'd auditioned for the television series of Bless This House, uh, and um, it was between me and Robin Stewart, the guy that played it. Uh, 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 played it eventually, The Sun um, and um, it, it was really down to the colour of the hair in the end right. uh, according, to, according to the producer William G Stewart who sadly passed away yeah. last week um, uh, and Sid and Sally who became a friend um, uh, they didn't want to say anything else Robin c- um, because he was doing a great job but um, uh, that's what it came down to, But so they cast me in, in an episode as Sally's a boyfriend, mm. so I played a boyfriend in an episode. So I knew Sid, and Sid knew me. So when it came to the casting of the film, and for a load of reasons, um, Robert Stewart wasn't doing the film. Um, Sid James said, There's only one person that oh, can play. He, yeah. he, he put me up for but bar- and I didn't even have to read for it. Wow. Him and Carol Hawkins, yeah. who's a pal, because um, Carol was going to be in it. She'd been in Carry On Abroad. Um, got to know Jerry Thomas and Pete, Pete, Peter Rogers and they, um, I, I just went up to meet them and they said, yeah, the part's yours. And it was a huge learning experience. And there was a scene where I do some cooking in Bless This House, the film, and um, it, it was shot in one take. Sadly, the, the take was ruined. by There was a, something wrong with the negative. It had to be shot again. It's still in the film, but it was never quite as good as I did it the first time. And it was a whole... Comedic sequence that I'd worked out.
3: Still right. a very funny film. It's it's still, it time. totally stands the test it's of time. A that time.
0: movie. My poor girlfriend, as you know, t- t- does Twitter and l- lures me into it. Anything to do with "Bless This House" yeah. gets like ten thousand views. Yeah, yeah. Um, and no, Sid was great. He taught me how to play poker, which was very useful. Um, he, t- he taught me how to drink whiskey, which wasn't so useful because I'm not really a drinker. Um, uh, and uh, uh, he sort of. He was a little bit responsible. Um, he told me, by the way, the, the, the routine that I did with the, the chips and the, the cooking, mm. the original one I did, which was never shown, was, was he said he, the funniest thing he's seen since the Charlie Caroli wow. uh, routine. I never get at that time. I'm like 22. Yeah. To be told that by Sid James was yeah. just, I thought, oh, well, I've got, I've got some legs in this business. Yeah. Because uh, you're still questioning yourself then. And I thought, oh, hang on, I might be able to do something here. Uh, but unfortunately, he, he, he encouraged me to overact a bit. And I'd gone from like a sort of more DAO performance in Cool It Carol um, to, to, uh, and even uh, the lot of stuff I was doing. I, I, I was I tried to be as real as possible. But I think um, he got me to, for instance, when, when I was in the rain and I have to go, I think I get for call my mother, I get go, um, and go and uh, the line is, uh, Mum! So you film it, action, Mum! Sid said, no, 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 really go over the top. Mm. So I did one take where I go, Mum! And of course that's That's the one they use. use, That's the one they use. And invariably on Twitter you'll get, if they see blessed house, they go, M-U-U-U-U-U-U-M. So he he, he, he encouraged me to be a bit naughty in front of a camera. You're happy. You
3: seem... What is nice, Robin, is I wasn't sure what what I was going to get with you. (laughs) Now you can cry. You seem
0: really happy and content with everything. Are you? Well, yes, I... I have I don't want to be, um... I don't want to sit back and be um, complacent. You see, the thing about my career is I can't go, um... You said... I mean, no, nobody's really happy. Robert Lindsay, who I is a friend of mine, who I think took all the right turns. Mm. You know, he went off to the Manchester Royal Exchange just at the right time. He made a series. It was, it was dreadful. Of course, seconds out about bo- uh, boxing that never so really saw the light of day. And th- thought, mm, I've got a, a Citizen Smith I've got, that was so good. I've got a, I'm an actor, and he he made all the right turns. I made a lot of wrong turns. So um, I, I'm not going to sit back and say, Oh, I've done this and done that, and it's all been marvellous. It's been an interesting journey, but I'm hopefully pragmatic enough to sit back and go, Well, well, you know, it was it was quite. Uh, Quite interesting, really. But there's
3: more work to do. I'm not I, I, yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. this is... And your career was great, and I hope you enjoy your retirement. You've obviously yeah. got more stuff you want to do.
0: Um, I'm now... Uh, it's, I do enjoy more straight stuff. Yeah. I mean, that sounds crazy when I do stand-up now. You know, I stand up um, for an hour and a half, waffling to an audience, and there'll be people sitting there, and, saying, well, I'm not too sure I'll go along and see that. Well, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I'm not sure I would. But well. It, it, it's a riot. These yeah, shows yeah. are a complete riot, and of course, I do swear a bit. And it's uh, did you have you read any of the reviews? Yeah, yeah, seen reviews. I mean, some of them getting good reviews. Yeah. I never used to get good reviews before, yeah, fine, but now yeah. I stand on stage swearing and insulting, and uh, somebody, George Layton, said it's just slander, Robin, and I <laughs> and I slander him in particular. You know, it's it's, it's just slu- I don't know, I feel like it's a rush of blood. I can't stop myself. Um, but having done doing that show. On the other side, I would, I, I would love to do something like One Hour Photo, mm. you know, Robin Williams. Yeah, I'd, love yeah. to, I'd love to do something, or Insomnia, you know, some of the films yeah. that, that an American actor. Jim Carrey, even, you know, you can be insanely mad on stage one minute, mm. and then you're allowed. It's very difficult being English. Yeah. That's the bitter thing coming back. So I do, I, you know, I said to Steve Pemberton, because they're redoing League of Gentlemen, I said, could I play a one-legged transvestite? um um uh, who's a lesbian um and uh, uh, and nobody I don't get off of those parts <laughs> but uh, i i'm looking more to more serious stuff really yeah. and um and um but but because i because i enjoy you know enjoy it more is there any producers out there one-legged transvestite lesbians We've i got... did um, i did an episode of casualty a couple of years ago and that was quite serious that was yeah. a guy I was a Grandfather, of an autistic child, and that was really quite depressing. Mm. Um, I, I enjoyed doing that, um, and, and, and I hate to say it's a lot easier as well. Yeah. To, to and people go, God, bloody hell, Robin, that's and you sort of, God, it's really good, and they, they sort of don't realise they're insulting you by saying, "Didn't know you could do that." Didn't know you were any good. <laughs> didn't, you didn't could do that. You think, well, hang on, fifty years, I've, I've got the rough idea of it. You know. Give us the show plug again. So the one on the sixth is sold out. The one that's six in Oxford is sold out. Um... That, that's of all places on the Harwell campus. Um, might you get along if you can? I'm sure they'll let you in, uh, but you, you, they might not yet let you out because it's yeah. like I don't. Do you know Harwell campus? Yeah, yeah, what yeah, it is? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, for people that don't, it's like the English British NASA, yeah. uh, and it's all got big magnets. And like my agent said, how do I find it? I said, are you in a car? I said, just drive within half a mile, <laughs> and the magnet will take you. Anyway, yeah, I don't think he managed to find it, but otherwise, I and mean, he's quite quite a good agent. Um, but uh, w- w- it's really funny when. You you look at the events at the Harwood camp- campus. Yeah. You get the doctor, professor, scram, 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 uh, discussing the atomic uh, draw of the moon to the, the Mercury. Will we land on Mars? And then he goes through all these sort of sort of strange scientific uh, events and then it's got robin esquith back with a bang or whatever <laughs> whatever it's called uh, and the bloke said but yours is the only one that's sold out of course <laughs> of course and the one on the 10th there's still tickets for uh, yeah there's still t- tickets for uh, so the phoenix artist club which is a fantastic little place uh, and uh, i looked that up online the guy that he's,
3: he's got a real penchant for sort of british cinema hasn't he that seems yeah, to be his thing
0: Yes, no, uh, and it's run by the Misty Moon Events, who do who are a great bunch of people, uh, Stuart and Jen, and um, it, it's a riot. You know, all I can say is I, I wander on, uh, and you'll recognise a lot of people in the audience as well, because there's always a few crazy friends like the Darren Littons and Steve Edges of, of the world. And then a tour next year, and then a t- I'm doing pantomime right. this Christmas. Oh, what are you doing? well. Having vowed I'll never do pantomime again. Yeah. Um, I'm doing, um, well, it will start off as Jack and the Beanstalk, Yeah. Lee Mead, okay. Stacey Solomon, yeah. B- Bobby Davro and me oh, brilliant. at the south end of the Cliffs Pavilion, oh, uh, so, uh, so that's, and the reason I took it is because it's that, I like, I believe it or not, I like the Cliffs Pavilion, yeah. um, and, um, I thought it was a good cast, yeah. I was the last to be cast, I thought, oh yeah, uh, Lee a great performer. Yeah. Stacey so Solomon is, is great because she's opposite me. I'm flesh creep and she's spirit of the beans or whatever, <laughs> um, spirit of lesbians uh, or whatever it's it's called. And Bobby Davro is Bobby Davro. Uh, uh, that's a good cast. Yeah, and it's Kudos who do great pantos. It's um, you know it's. Um, Uh, high-tech, 3D. Come in the studio next year, man. I want want to hear you dealing
3: with some of my nut job callers, like Alan Caddick and Nigel from Maidstone and stuff. I think you'd get on well with them.
0: Oh, no, no, yeah. I'm sorry I'm not in there speaking to them. Nice to to see you. Nice to see you, mate.
4: Thank Thank you very much. Jacked-up jive talk for janitors, jazz
1: cats and gin-soaked boys and girls. Is that the <laughs> If you're awake, you're a welcome. I've got five
5: cactus needles stuck in my...
1: The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee
0: on Talk Radio.
3: He's good, that Robin Asquith, isn't he? We're live again, 11.53. Um, he, he's good, that Robin Asquith. I thoroughly enjoyed it and it's that weird thing of uh, which i get g- quite often in this job but um i really felt it there we all sat on this tiny little sofa and it's that weird thing of of being sat right next to someone whose face is so familiar to you and i'm just sat there for the first five minutes thinking you're robin asquith it's nuts absolutely nuts really nice bloke um I would genuinely, this isn't me giving you kind of, you know, radio bullshine, I would genuinely love to go and see that show on the 10th, but we are doing this. But if he does a tour next year, um, then definitely. And, Robin, you have um, a a welcome invitation to phone the show, and if you're in town, any time you want to pop in, you pop in, buddy. I'd love to have you in here. And thank you to Tracy, um, who helps sort all that out. Um, Okay, so, um, we think... we, We think... We think, Sam thinks, he's fixed the um, the phones. So, what I thought we would do, because I'm not in next week, um, I'm going to Marrakesh. Who'd have thought it, huh? Who'd have thunk it? Me in Marrakesh. So, um, what we'll do for the last... Oh, Kath, can you get me the papers, please? I've not got the papers, thank you very much. What we'll do, for the last hour of the show, we will take calls straight to S. So you can phone in about absolutely anything you want, any old bit of nonsense... Um, any, any rubbish you want to talk about, you want to make silly noises, that's fine. Um, and we'll we'll have a gentle look through the newspapers, and um, we'll, we'll kind of end the week in a gentle, relaxed manner. How does that sound? Does that sound okay? Good. Um, we might even have a lock-in tonight. We'd, who knows? Who knows? We might even have a lock-in. And so much of the show has been pre-recorded. Do you want to join me for the last hour, Catherine Boyle? Yeah, go on then. All right, thanks very much. Okay. Um, it's quite a lot of the show's been pre-recorded. I don't really feel that we've we've started work yet. So, um, uh, so we might we might have a lock-in. I don't know. I don't who knows? Um, the next hour could be a complete car crash if the phones don't. <laughs> oh, it's the it, I tell you, it's the it's the one my one dread. And I don't think I've ever had a show where, and do maybe I did, maybe I did it LBC years ago. So, someone listening to this will know my career better than I know my career. Oh, was there a show where the phones didn't work? I don't remember. It, it rings a bell, and, and, and in these um, technology-led days, it seems to be the thing. So listen, we're coming up to the news. Don't phone yet, no one's going to answer it. Uh, fingers crossed, it'll work. I know the Wi-Fi has gone down here, so I've got um, I've got no Twitter, and I've got, I'm not online or anything like that. That's absolutely fine. We don't need it. We'll do an old-fashioned late-night radio show. Let me give you the phone number, but please don't call it until after twelve o'clock. The phone number is oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. So write this down, okay? Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. We won't be calling you back tonight, well, because I don't think we can. But we're going to do call straight to Don't swear. Don't be libellous. We have a seven-second delay, so if you do say anything rude, I can dump it and I can cut you off. My name is Ian Lee. This is The Late Night Alternative on Talk Radio. Talk Radio. We've got no internet and um, now one of the lights in the outside studio is flickering. Apart from that, what could possibly go wrong? 0344 499 1000 is the telephone number. We'll take calls straight to air for the next hour of the show. My name is Ian Lee. The show is called The Late Night Alternative and, of course, you're listening to the one, the only, Talk Radio.
2: Across the UK,
5: online
0: and on DAB. He has made a covenant with the night and with the darkness, he is in agreement.
1: Uncut after hours conversation for the up all night generation.
0: The late night alternative with Ian Lee on Talk Radio. We'll get you talking. 03444991000 Oh
3: three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the uh, telephone. The internet is down, and that is absolutely fine. Um, uh, uh, we've just been out upstairs where the um, the um, I don't know, the vending machine is. The lights aren't working up there, so it's a strange old night. It's a strange old night, but we should continue as we always do, um, with putting our best foot forward. Oh three. 444991000 is the telephone number. We'll take calls straight to air. You can call in about absolutely anything you want. Kat and I were very naughty this evening. We went and saw the first half of the zombies before dashing back to be here in time for the show. We saw the zombies at the Palladium. Kath, I, we need to, um, we need to make Colin Blundstone's voice a national treasure, or put a, a plaque on his throat or something. That
2: guy's seventy-one. It's amazing. It's. I think he may have a jar with his voice, a real voice, in, yes. in an attic somewhere yes, because it, there, there that is, voice is the voice of a young man.
3: There is a. There is a. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to make the picture of Dorian Gray thing work. There is somewhere in his attic. There is an old forty-five that's um, the very dusty and scratched. That's
2: better than the jar. Yeah, we go. His
3: voice. It, it's, unbel- it's unbelievable. I can think of only three voices from the 1960s, bearing in mind all these men are in their 70s now, that are as good as they were in the 60s. Mickey Dolenz of The Monkeys, and it, it, it's true, Al Jardine of The Beach Boys, surprisingly, and Colin Blundstones. His voice was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. If you get the chance to see him, we've got to, we've got to somehow celebrate that voice. I mean, the whole band were great. You know, big around the bush. A bit windy, pop, Excuse me. Mm-hmm. The whole band were great, but that voice, wowzers. So, oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Call straight to where you can call her about absolutely anything you want. We've got three lines ringing. Let's go to line one. Line mm, okay. Okie doke. Let's try line two.
5: It's this again.
3: I'm not interested in that. That's a little bit boring. Let's try line three. Line three, you're on the wireless.
1: I, don't know. My um, <clears throat> I know Ian's a big fan of music. I'm reading the uh, Bruce Springsteen uh, autobiography and I've got a good fact about someone uh, he wants to know about. OK, go on then. Do you want to hear it? Yeah.
5: Uh, on Born to Run, the drummer on it, uh, hey, what uh, that's the only song you ever played on for any other Bruce Springsteen song?
3: Thanks very much uh, cool. for calling. Um, and you see, and that's what it can be like. That's what it can be like. Uh, let's go to line four. Four, you're on the wireless. Okayed okay, <laughs> okay. Oh, Jesus. Ah uh, yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Let us go to line one. <laughs> There's that noise again. There's the one that's going to make you deaf. Let's leave the phones for a little bit. Let's leave the phones for a little this bit. This is
2: really weird, but I've um, I've tried to like raise the engineers, but they're not answering their phone.
3: Well, let's be honest. They're probably drunk somewhere. Sam, if you could reset phone box for us again, it seems it seems we, we we get a couple of minutes grace if we reset the uh, the, the system there. So that is. um um, this is, uh, Um, here we go. Now, bearing in mind that, um, Gene Simmons has got a new box set. Gene Simmons from Kiss has got a new box yeah, set out. Is
1: he
2: calling it The Vault or something? Yes.
3: Now, the, the basic package is, I think it's like 100 CDs or something. I'm going to wait till it's online to download illegally. Joking! The basic package is $2,200. If you go for the $50,000 package, that's right, the $50,000 package, he delivers it personally. So when I see this, fans of X Factor rapper Honey G can meet her for £12, I'm thinking, what a bargain. <laughs> what an absolute bargain. The 36-year-old, 2016, fifth place... Con- whoa, 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 whoa. How sorry? old? The 36-year-old...
2: No. she's younger than me.
3: It turns out she is. By quite some way.
2: No. Um,
3: let's. Let, we've just reset the phones. Can we just see if this works? Hello, line one. One, you're on the wireless. Ian, my friend. Is that... Can you do me... Who's that? Manny. Manny? Yeah. Buddy, we were talking. I can't... OK. I'm just... Hang on a second. I'm just going to... Um. Hang on. I'm gonna, you stay there. You're not gone. Um, uh, we were talking about Manny the other day. I really was
2: wondering what had happened to him.
3: Um, and now he turns out he's finding us from space. Let's, let's try, let's see if we can hear him any better. Yes, Manny?
1: Hello. It's you're a right? terrible line, man. Is it? How you doing, You all right?
3: Can you give us a call again? Yeah. No all right, buddy. Thank you very much. Try us again, because yeah. that is a terrible, terrible line. Um, 0344-499-1000. Let's go to line two. Two, you're on the wireless.
4: Hello, um, I know Ian's a big fan of music. because one of the children of British Springsteen. OK, go on, then. So, so, so just hang on them?
3: No, you're on the air, just although it's a terrible line. Can you give us a call back?
4: Uh, so I'll give you a call back?
3: Yeah, yeah we're taking calls straight to air, which you would know if yeah, you were yeah, listening. Yeah, I can do that. It's all right. All right, thank you very much indeed. Um, oh, there's, there's no rush. Um let's try line three. Hello, line three, you're live on Talk Radio. Hello, line three, you are Okay <laughs> okay. let us try um line four. Hello, line four, you're on the wireless. Hello? Oh, we got someone, we've got Don't Don't let this guy go anywhere. We've got a phone call that works. You are you are with us for the rest of the show, man. You're going nowhere.
1: Oh, cool! I'll sit in my driveway for the rest of the night. And Perfect! Talk to you guys.
3: we been having terrible trouble with the phones. You are going nowhere. Who is this, and what do you want?
1: My name is Andrew, and I was just driving home from the rugby and
3: thought of me. Going to say hello. Hey, Andrew. Um. Uh, so. Uh, uh, so, what's going on in your life? What was the rugby like? Uh, fantastic game,
1: Leeds Rhinos, and mighty Leeds Rhinos. We are going to Old Trafford next week for the grand final. Yes!
3: Sports! Sports and men and beer! Ah. Get your Willy out, let's oh. all have a look. Go on then. Uh, up, uh, in my car, I can't do that. While Get I'm driving. your Willy out in your car while you're driving. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> ah! I knew it was too good to be true. I knew it was too good to be true. Um, 03444. <laughs> Maybe we won't have a lock-in tonight. I don't know. 03444991000. This is the late-night alternative, and I can only apologise for my last show before I go on holiday being an absolute car crash.
1: Take a trip into the alternate reality
3: of late-night radio. I think I'm in something like The Matrix, and so are you.
1: The Late-Night Alternative.
0: Hello, hello. With Ian Lee. Is there anybody out there? On Talk Radio.
1: Hello. Oh,
0: 0344.
3: 499... Oh, four, nine. I don't know why I'm giving out the phone number. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> it's not working at all. Uh, oh, 0344. Four, four, nine, nine, is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, let's go to line 1. 1, you are on the wireless. Hello, line 1. Hello, Ian. Hello, mate. Who's this? Manny. Hello, Manny. How you doing? I'm OK, sorry. It's. I can't hear you very well, and I'm wondering oh, if oh, it's... Oh, oh, oh. I'm on the landline now. I'm wondering, can you give it a hit on the table? That used to work. It's your end. I'm beginning to think it might be our end. I think we can just, I think we can just about make out what you're saying, Manny. Go on.
1: Well, I had the worst end of the year and the worst start of the year.
3: You had the worst end of the year and the worst start of the year? Mm. November, my nephew died of cancer, 23. Uh, yeah, oh, blimey, yeah, I do, yes. Then, my wife's brother
1: died, 50, December. She, your wife did what? My wife's brother, he passed away. Oh, mate,
3: I'm sorry to hear that. This is...
1: my dad was coming back from India in February. He passed away on the plane. On the plane? On the plane, uh, Then, we had to take his ashes. He took it took us three oh. weeks to get him over yes, here from I'm Russia. a second.
3: Yeah manny manny listen manny manny, manny yeah. this is this you you're telling me some really heavy stuff man and this phone line is absolutely atrocious and, and, I, and I, 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 I you know i want to hear what you're saying and i want to listen i'm off next Monday? well i'm i'm off care? next week but give us give us a call when you can and we'll we'll, okay. we'll s- sort something out thank you manny take care man take care thank you that was some heavy stuff he was laying and we
5: poor thing and we
3: that uh, phone line uh, was
5: awful. Let's go to line
3: two. Line two, you are on the wireless.
5: It's <laughs> that again. That's...
3: Um... What? Can you hear what she's saying? Is this, is that Spanish? Yeah. What is she saying?
2: <laughs> what was that? Something about... No, Something about... S- okay. Staying uh, in your house.
3: Okay, well, stay Stay in your house then, for God's sakes. People, if that's what you've got to do, then that's what you've got to do. Let's go to line two. Two, you're on the wireless.
1: Oh, John Hearn.
3: Oh, John Hearn. Oh, John Th- This is the freakiest song I've ever done. <laughs> no, really, this is making me. This is... Oh no! Phone on and the thing. Um. Oh. Um, that's peculiar. What? Um, it's my wife. Can you turn the tellies on for a minute? Uh. Okay. Just turn the tellies on. Sorry. Uh. Try the ne- try the other one. I've just had a very um.
2: No, hang on. <laughs>
3: The one's a charm. For <sighs> goodness sakes. Bloody air con's off as well. It's boiling in here. Well, so none of them are working, right?
1: Let me... Let me go, just can you go and have a look in the office? Off. I've
3: just had a text from her saying... Um, she, she, she says, turn on the TV. You won't <laughs> believe what's going on. What? I'm going to do something I would never normally do, dear listener. And I hope you don't think... Um, she's th- This... um. My wife's a reporter, um, so I am. I'm just going to give her a call. I wouldn't normally do this, um, but she wouldn't normally text me like this during the show. So let me. Here's the terrible thing: I don't know her phone number. No one knows. No one knows phone numbers anymore. Let me just text it. Uh, um, and any of them working? No, no, it's Just that blue screen. Not one. Okay, I'm just. I'm going to phone. Um, I'm going to phone Helen up because uh, this text is. It's most peculiar. Right.
2: Sam, could you try engineering again, please? Okay.
3: Right, okay, let me try again.
1: <clears throat> oh, seven. Mm 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 mm, 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 mm. mm, mm, And then you hit dial
5: and. Atención, este es un aviso importante para todos los ciudadanos.
3: Right, this is freaking Antenganse shit. De this is my wife's y phone. Y what is, she, what is this saying? No, no, no. Tell me what this is saying. Okay, hang on a
5: second. Este es un aviso importante para todos I'm los ciudadanos. It. Manténganse dentro de sus casas, lejos de sus ventanas mm. y puertas, y fuera del alcance de todo ser no humano. Oh <laughs> what? What? Hang on, I need to just hear it again. Atención, este es un aviso importante para todos los ciudadanos manténganse dentro de sus casas, lejos de sus ventanas y puertas, y fuera del alcance de todos seres, no humanos.
3: What is, what is, that is freaking right. What is it saying? That Do is freaking. You freaky. think
5: it's freaking, you don't understand it.
2: Something like, this is an, this is an important announcement for all citizens. I <laughs> know, oh, ridiculous. Don't wind me up. because I'm, I'm not winding no,
1: no, you
3: up. Hang on a minute, because I'm te- telling you now, my, that, that message is ruined, and I've just sent a text to my wife, and it's it's not been delivered. It's coming up as not delivered. is
2: your phone working?
3: Right. What does that? What does that voice say? <laughs> and don't, please don't piss around because I'm, I'm now not, worried about my family. I'm
2: not because I'm. Wor- please don't. i worried. Go. It, it said something like "stay right." It was an important message to all citizens.
1: Yeah.
2: Stay inside your house. Something about staying away from, like access points. <laughs> and No, that's not even the weirdest bit. That's not even the weirdest bit. I, I I actually don't want to say this out loud because it's
3: okay. Say it. We're 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 all adults here. Some of us are more adult than others. It's not yeah, rude. It's, it's just like... weird. Oh, okay. Go on then. I've got goosebumps. So
2: you've got to stay in the house away from access points and.
3: What is an access point? A door. Well, wh- who sits by a door anyway? Apart from You're a right. dog. This is
2: ridiculous. I don't know who. I mean, fair play. We've said try and prank us. This is this is a belter.
3: Is this um. Is this? It can't be. Do you remember Noel's gotcha Oscars? <laughs> yeah. And they would. This is what Noel Edmonds would do, and this is one of the reasons I despise the man. Is um, he, he would get like the family involved, but he would. My wife wouldn't do something like that. Not 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 the way things are at the moment. No, that, that's that is. Uh... So well, it the, could be
2: the last part of that message. Yes. is the weirdest bit. Go
3: on, go on, go on, go go.
2: Right. So you've got to stay out of. The... You, I'm just going to say it. You've got to stay away from access points and out of reach of non-humans.
1: <laughs> oh, no.
2: Well, like, so dogs? I'm guessing. Can dogs reach? I mean, that's... The phones are
3: going nuts, but they're all showing as anonymous. You know, normally it will come up with a number or a name. They're all blank, so let's just take one at random. Line three, you're on the wireless.
4: Excellent. Hello, Hi.
3: Hello. Oh, Ian, how are you? I'm very, well, I'm a bit freaked out because I've just had a very disturbing message from my wife. Yes, is she okay? Well, I don't know. I can't, when I phone up, we get we get some Spanish woman. Uh,
4: should I pretend, to, should I pretend
3: to be your wife? Um, not really appropriate, but thanks very much anyway. If anyone knows what's going on. Who is that? Um, line two, you're on the wireless.
1: Uh, good evening, Ian. How are you?
3: I'm a little bit concerned about my family, if I'm honest. But yeah, go on. What do you know? What's going on? Uh,
1: well, I, I was listening the
3: other night, and I, I heard that you were a Prince fan. A what fan? A Prince. Prince fan. No, no, I'm not. No, you said you were definitely a Prince fan. No, we didn't. To see Prince. No, 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 no. I you said I went girl. to see... I no, said you, I went you to... You girl. Yeah, I said oh, I went to gone. see Prince. I didn't say I was a Prince fan. It's completely different. Oh, oh,
1: oh, you disappointed
3: me now. No, 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 no. Um Let's go to line four. Line four, you're on the wireless. Oh, Jesus, right. OK, let's go to line five. Five, you're on the wireless. <laughs> Have you got any internet on... I've not even got 3G on my phone. Let's go to line no, six, I'm you're on the wireless line seven. You're on the wireless. Line seven. You're on the wireless. Okay, let's try line eight. Line eight. You're on the wireless. Hello, line eight. Hello. 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 You're on the air. Who is this? It's not just my phone. Nigel, have you got? Is your telly working? Um, yes, the telly's fine. I can hear yours is not. Yeah. What's? Are you watching? Is? Have you got? Have you got the news on, Nigel? No. Can you put the news on for us and let us know what's going on? What, well, BBC One? Well, the news. Has he got a news channel? Uh, I don't think it's on yet. There's
1: a film on. Look, the news is not on last
3: season yet. I was going to ask if he had c I was genuinely going to ask him if he had c <laughs> I c- bet he has. So if anyone would have c, <laughs> c- <laughs> he would. My um, uh, mum's... Mummy, I can't tell you how many my mum's watching a film. Can you... Uh, well, OK, Nigel. Well, thank, thanks very much for calling, Nigel. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I nearly swore there. I nearly dropped an F-bomb then. I Do you know what? I
2: never thought I would find Nigel's voice reassuring.
3: <laughs> no, I still have them. <laughs> Do you mind if I try my wife one more time? What? One more time. One more... What was that show? One more time, take it from the top. I don't yeah, know. It was <laughs> Oh, you're going to be a star. Um... Oh, mm, 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 mm and let us see if we get an answer this
5: time. nice. Is... <laughs> de okay. okay, is... to... Stay away from windows.
3: Okay, stay away from windows, guys. Okay. Part of me wants to go home and see what's going on, but part of me is also prof- a professional.
2: Is there a part of you who wants to stay away from the windows? Because I do.
3: <laughs> Fans of X Factor rap. It, it seems a little bit frothy to do this, but we might as well. Fans of X Factor rapper Honey G can meet her for twelve pounds. The thirty-six-year-old.
2: And tw- again, I don't. Twenty-sixteen.
3: Fifth place contestant, branded the biggest joke in X Factor history, and boy, oh boy, that's That's... a whole gag book of jokes there, is now selling her VIP concert packages at just £24 a a pair on the discount website Woucher.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, look, she's got to make money somewhere.
3: The VIP package includes the chance to meet Honey G at Manchester Academy plus priority entry. Wait into honey. Oh, into the into the venue. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. I've not even got three G on my phone. Well, it's it's an it's an iPhone, um, so that's not surprising.
2: I wonder if this is related to you know the podcasts aren't going up.
3: Could be. Could be. I've got goosebumps.
2: which takes quite something in this room. It's so hot. (laughs)
3: Um, There we go. Sex robots. You see um, lots of sex robot stories. One, a fella got sent to prison... For, well, I don't know, I, 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 I read the headline for buying a kiddie sex, sex <gasps> bot, but I think there may have been more stuff going on. I didn't really read the story. And another one, there was like a sex bot was on display at some, like, sex festival and it got, it got
2: y- b- battered. And you know, it belonged to? Who? Our mate from... Phil uh, Bass? No, the other one. Uh, the Aaron, Welsh one. Yeah. Aaron. Did
3: it? It wasn't Samantha, was it? I feel like another. I know
2: her. I hope not. She would have told him to, uh, F off. <laughs>
3: I feel It feels weird. I can't talk about sex robots. Sorry. Um, there's something going on. The phones... Now, I don't know if this means that the, uh, uh, the the phones are working or the phones are not working. All ten lines are up and running. So, we're going to do, do a run. Let's go to line one. One, you're on the wireless. There we go.
2: <laughs> oh, good okay.
3: Let's go to line two. Two, you're on the wireless.
2: This place is reassuringly crap, isn't
3: it? <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I'm a bit starting to think, though, that this isn't... Um, um, I was going to say... <laughs> I was gonna say if you're having a problem with your phones, maybe you could call in and <laughs> tell us. <laughs> so it's like
2: when we were at the other place <laughs> when there used to be um the power cut. Yeah. We'd be talking to them on the radio. Yeah. We, you
3: know. Uh let's try line three, three you're on the wireless. Okay, <laughs> okay. let's try line four, four you're on the wireless. That's the one that's the killer. Line five, you're on the wireless. Let's uh Hello, this is now this normally means there's someone there. Hello? Hello. Okay, I feel like we need to to, to pick up the rate, the whole radio station, and give Get it a, a good shape. Let's try. It. Let's try line ten. Line ten, you're on the wireless.
5: What the hell is that? Does anyone know what that is? Because that
3: is nuts. That is nuts.
1: What's that?
3: That is some freaky. Uh, shiz, man. <clears throat> okay. I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely uncomfortable. Um, but don't, don't, I'm assuming people, I'm assuming this is broadcasting. We have no way of knowing. It's only not from Nigel's call, because he doesn't listen anyway. Um, but that, there is definitely something going on, and I don't think it's it's the technical problems in this studio. I think there is something slightly bigger that is happening. Uh, rest assured um, that we will, we will be here until we find out what's going on. Um, I'm Ian Lee. Uh, that's Catherine Boyle. You're listening to The Late Night Alternative on Talk
2: Radio. The Wild Man of Late Night Radio. The Late Night Alternative with Ian Lee on
0: Talk Radio.
2: We have ways of making you talk.
3: Um, right, okay, uh, we're back. Um, something very weird is going on, but I don't want, I don't, I don't want to jump to conclusions, because we don't know, but, um, none of the, uh, TVs are working in here, we're having great trouble with the internet, um, Twitter was working, then it's not, I think it might be working, um, now. I don't want to scare anybody, but this is, this is weird. Um, if you've, can, uh, this is weird, isn't it, Kath?
2: It is, but like you, I don't want to jump to any conclusions, and, you know, above all, we don't want to frighten anyone. No. Um. But it's, I've never, I mean, the Wi-Fi in here, it's got to be said—is Pony. No,
3: the Wi-Fi is terrible!
2: But this is beyond anything... Like that. The TV's
3: been down. I mean, it could be okay. Here's okay. Let's let's go through it. It could be an electrical surge. That although the TVs are are on, there is power going to the TVs, but none of the channels um, are working. The screens are working. let
2: me just try this one again.
3: Go on. Anything? No.
2: No.
3: No. It's the, it's, um, it's the blue screen. The blue screen you get with. Why do the modern TVs have the blue screen when you can't get a signal? I prefer the static. I miss... I miss the static. At this
2: point, I'll take anything. To be I honest. missed,
3: <laughs> I missed, um, the, I missed the static. Shit, right. The lights have, <laughs> the lights have just gone out! Is this,
2: is this... <laughs> this, is, <laughs> what? Sam, did you do that? <laughs>
3: Oh okay right I'm going to tell you what's going on okay so uh, we've got um uh, the three screens I would normally have off they're all just showing the blue screen the lights just as as Kath sat down the lights in the studio went off uh, the only lights we've got are the uh, say the tv screens and I've got a computer in front of me that's just got you know is, is got messages you know where where sam types messages to me and phone box phone box is working um we have got some calls so um i guess you can still call in 03444991000 is the telephone number Can you're see
2: you... right because i might have a torch in my key ring uh,
3: no i can see these screens so i can see these screens so i'm fine with uh, i'm fine with that um right let's take some of these uh calls let's go to paul good evening paul Paul, can you hear me? Paul's not there. Okay dokie. Let's go to line two. Line two is Sally. Good evening, Sally. What a surprise. Sally's not there right, either. Can you, you go next door? Because, okay. Um, okay, it's got a uh, line three. Line three is Steve. Good evening, Steve! There's that. What does that tone mean? I don't know what that noise means. Um, okay, uh, I'm just going to take some. Don't bother putting them through. I'm going to take some calls straight to air. Line four. Four, you're on the wireless.
5: Right, is no this. Right. Is... <laughs> Is es una visión importante, <laughs> no I'm um, importante para todos los ciudadanos. that Spanish de again? Is that... Has someone recorded
3: that? playing it down the phone.
5: importante para todos los ciudadanos.
3: Ay. Um. Line 5.
5: Mantengan dentro it's the same de, de am genuinely...
3: Right, I am starting to feel very, very uncomfortable here. Um, OK, I'm going uh, to... Jeez, I don't know what to... OK, I'm going to do something I wouldn't normally do, because actually I'm starting to feel a little bit spooked, and I'm sure it is uh, nothing, but um, I am going to phone the... Uh, I'm going to phone the police, but I'm not going to phone 999 because i don't think this is an emergency i'm going to dial 1 on 1 right that <laughs> it's 101 101 is that it okay god that's a relief jeez get okay, 101 i'm being told i had the wrong number 1, oh, one. <laughs> That number's not working either. Right, Kath, I'm making a call. I'm gonna. I'm. I am. Um. With your permission, I'm gonna phone nine 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 because this is weird.
2: What do you think this?
3: It's. Um... I'm gonna phone nine nine nine. I don't. I. I don't need to dial nine for an outside line, do I? I just dial the no, number. I don't for think me. so. i, I mis- just dial the number. I think right. I should give
2: the boss a ring as well.
3: Hang on. Nine. Nine. Nine.
5: Ante para todos los ciudadanos, manténganse dentro de sus casas, lejos de sus um, ventanas y puertas y fuera del alcance de the, todo the, ser the, no humano. Este es un aviso importante para todos los ciudadanos. Manténgase dentro de sus casas, lejos de nine... sus ventanas y puertas y fuera del alcance de todo ser no humano.
3: 999 you. is, as you can hear, it, it's, it's playing our Spanish friend again. Uh, right.
2: The boss isn't picking up.
3: I genuinely don't know what to do. This is the freakiest thing. Uh, this is the freakiest thing I think we've ever had. Um, right. Uh,. Still no lights in the studio. The the, the the screen is working. It says I have, um, uh, Gatford. Gary from Catford on the line. Uh, evening, Gary. Yeah.
0: I, I, ten years I've been ringing you, in. yeah? Yes, Yes. Yeah? yeah. I can't believe you're lowering yourself to this. What do you mean? Well, come
3: on. This... this Marrakesh, yeah? The phone-in recorded special... This is just low, man. Oh, no, right. For those who don't know, Gary is referencing a show I did from Marrakesh. Right. I'm going to put my hands up, right. And this is the yeah. first time I've ever said this in public. The show from Marrakesh, we were in the studio in Ladbroke Grove. Okay. That was completely fake. I swear to you, Gary, uh-huh, yeah. that this is oh, my not, tense toe. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. mate, mate, this is, this is, have you got lights on in your house? No, but it's like twenty to one. Have you tried the lights on in your house? It's twenty to one. All right, mate. Honestly, this is <sighs> there is. Where's Cass?
2: I'm here. I've just.
3: Come what on. you should be stopping this.
2: Come on, Gary. Gatford. You're better than this. No, well, I know he's not. But you are. I actually do not know what is. Oh, going this is not, this point. dude. Yeah. This
3: isn't Gary. The oh, fact yeah. I'm calling you Gary and not Gatford, This is yeah. not. We're not well, doing a thing. A Spanish message again, Ian. Come on. Well, it turns out if you phone 999, that's the message you get. It turns out it's everywhere.
1: Yeah, whatever.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not falling for it. Oh, hold on, there's there's someone at the door, hold on a minute. Mate, mate, Gary. Look, look, it's... uh, Don't... What? Don't, right. here's, Here's the thing, if I've learned anything tonight, don't go and open the door, man.
0: Ian, it's the middle of the night. It's probably important. No one knocks on the door at 20 to 1. Just to you're
3: saying the, the message nose. in Spanish is stay at home? Yeah. I don't
2: right, really okay, want to translate wait, it. Gary! I'm not actually sure what it is, but I would not open it. Hang on. Give me a minute. Oh, jeez. <sighs> yes. What? No, you do not come in.
3: What? No, no get, your is- get your foot out of there. Gary! Get your foot out of there. Gary! Step back. Step back. Gary! step back, mate I do not take another step gary gary <laughs> gary G- flipping it Look, what was that um, um we can we go to a break can man. we go to a break go to throw to a break now quickly jesus christ what was that
0: the late night alternative with ian lee on talk radio we'll get you talking
1: um
3: Uh, we're back, I think. I don't... have no... Uh, I have no way of, um, knowing if this is going out. I can only assume it is. Um, the red light is on, I can hear myself in my ears, and I have to, um... I have to assume that this is, um... going out. That was weird, yeah? That that thing with Gatford was weird. Um... I've, uh, we've tried to phone him back and we're just getting the old, um, the old message Espanola, which is, um, is very weird. So we, 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 I don't think we'll be having a lock in tonight, or maybe we will, because maybe it's not safe to go home, I don't know. Um, so we find ourselves in a very strange position. Let's, let's just have a, let's, let's just gather our thoughts slightly in a very calm, um a measured way and just kind of um, th- establish exactly where we are so um, the, the the televisions in the studio aren't working um, it's, it's it's that blue screen um, i certainly can't get twitter or facebook or or anything like that to work um, uh w- the phones are you know kind of Um, intermittent. We've had a few phone calls getting through, but we we seem to be, um... uh, We we seem to be getting uh, tones and some strange um, thing. I'm going to be honest, I find myself in a very unique position in terms of my 20 years, almost, 20 20 years next year, uh, uh, of broadcasting in that I haven't got a flipping clue what's going on. Haven't got a Scooby Doo. Um, hmm, um. I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting for for the switchboard to light up as uh, as is my usual thing. But of course, it's not lighting up, because <laughs> the phones aren't working, so, um, um, ah, there's a phone call, put that phone call through, put that phone call through. Hello? jeez. Oh, Hello? Hello? Oh, uh, yeah, is that Ian? Hello? Yeah, what do you want? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Hello, who's this? No, no, no. No, c- trust c- me, man. Can you hear me? I'm, I'm you. What? I, I, I haven't got time, <laughs> but you've you've just listen. You've got to listen to me, right? Is if it is this someone? It up, someone pretending room, to be me? It's really important that you why, go to the room. Why is someone pretending now, to be you There isn't time to explain. Is this a soundboard? What, honestly, I'm you. What do you mean why are you I, doing I'm not a this? Soundboard. What? Why are you doing I, this? How? That, what do you want me to say? What? This is. Why are you doing this? Why are you, why copying, are you copying me? Copying you're, copying, you're me. copying me. You're, you're saying, saying what you're I'm saying at exactly, at exactly the, s- the same time because I'm you honestly, it, I it, I I <gasps> the roof. You need to come up on the roof as uh, quickly as you can. Go. We've got to go. There's not much time. Hello.
1: Hello. Uh.
3: I am. I am. I am absolutely petrified now. I'm going to be honest. What was that? Are they are gone. The line's gone. Kath, is your microphone? Can you? Can you? Can you, can you get your microphone? So can you talk for a second? Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you hear that?
2: <laughs> They're getting cleverer. Or that.
3: That was apparently me oh. telling me to go up on the roof, and then I heard so- you in the
2: background. It'd sound like me. Oh God, this is terrifying. I don't want to. Go- I don't want to go out the studio. This is terrifying.
3: <laughs> oh, oh God! Right, I'm going to make an executive decision. We've got about ten minutes of the show left. I apparently have just had a phone call from me telling me <laughs> to go to the roof. Um, so I'm going to go to the roof. What? I'm going to go to the roof. Um, I what if my phone will... I've got... It, it says I've got a signal on my phone. Can you can you f- dial my number? Let me write it down. Okay. um, um oh, these, these pen, oh, these pens that work. Hang on a second. Uh, uh, uh. There's
2: no guarantee that I'm going to get a line. At the...
3: I know, but uh, uh, this is... Uh, there you go. That's, that's my number there. Can you read that? Hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Um, me... <laughs> guys, if we've learned anything from watching um, programs like Lost, uh, if uh, future or past you tells you to do something, then God damn it, you better bloody do it.
2: Oh, hang on, I've done it wrong. This is terrifying. I'm shaking. He's <laughs>
3: Here's, Here's what I think. You stay here. What? You stay here with Sam. I'm going to go and get the keys. I'm going to go to the roof. If it's safe, if it's safe, what am I talking about? It's like we're in in the the towering inferno or something. Um, Have you got it? I think so. Okay. Hang on a second. Right, so this, right, can you hear me? No, hang
2: on.
3: Can you hear, I can't hear you. you. Can you talk to me? me?
2: Yeah. Okay, right. Right. Can you hear me on this?
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure you should
2: be doing this on your own? Stay,
3: stay, just stay, just there. stay there. Let, let's, let's see what's, see going, what's on. going on. Jeez, this is weird. Right, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Oh. Hang on a second. Um, oh, I need to get the blooming fob. Jeez. Oh, Even in times of uh, national security crises, uh, we still need um, fobs to get in and out of this building. Oh, it's a very... Uh, right, hang on a second. You still there? Yeah. Okay, 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 it's fine. There's no one here at the moment.
2: Well, we're not even the security guard,
3: is he, is there? I'm not down, da- calm down, I'm not down there yet. Stop panicking, you don't even know what's going on. Right. Ah, hey man, have you, got the, have you got the keys for the roof, please? I need to get on the roof. Thank you. Has anybody tried to get in tonight? Has anyone tried to get in through the door? Right, don't, don't let anybody in if they come in through the door. Okay, thank you man. He's, he's, uh, he seems on the ball like, uh, all, uh, security
1: well, people
3: Oh, I should have taken a lift. Um, are there any calls on the switchboard? Is anyone getting Isn't, through? There's nothing. I'll, let's give it the number just in case. 0344 499 1000 is the telephone number. Um, uh, although I don't think you're going to be to get through. <laughs> this is freaky. Upstairs is uh, in darkness. It's completely <laughs> pitch black. Dark up here. Um, There's the sound of Casabian uh, playing. So the playout system on Virgin is working.
1: Oh, it's a bloody key. Right. Oh. Right, Cass.
3: I'm going to go up. Um, right, this is going to sound really melodramatic, right? Can you there?
2: Yeah.
3: This is going to sound. Right, this is going to sound bent, but I'm going to say, if anything happens, you're the best producer I've ever worked oh, with. Oh, right? stop okay? that! Think, no, stop no, 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 no. I'm just saying it. I'm just saying it. All right. So. Oh Jesus! I know. Oh, right. no.
2: Uh,
3: Oh my God! Well, the door. I'm I'm at the top of the stairs. The door is unlocked to the roof. Uh, I'm going out. I'm going out. Going out. Hello. I can't see anyone. I certainly can't see To me. <laughs>
2: um, I'm going to go to the edge. You be careful. I'm going I'm to look up. Jesus
1: Christ. Unbelievable. now. What's going on? This is-, <laughs> this is nuts. This is nuts,
3: man. This is nuts, Cass. Alright, I'm looking over the street. Um, What's uh, Hatfield? We're on Hatfield. And, um. Oh, Jesus, this is horrible. Uh, There's like hundreds of people down there. But they're all just sort of stood there.
2: What what is.
1: uh,
2: Jesus. Ian, you better come back in. Ian? Uh, Hang
3: on, I'm going to come back, I'm going to come back, I'm going to come back, I'm going to come back.
2: Right, right, have you just locked the door? No, I haven't just locked the door. Oh, Jesus, the door is locked! Oh, no! Oh! This
3: is... Hello? Do you want me to come up? Hello? Do you want me to come up? Oh my God, it is you. What? Why are you. This is the most amazing thing. But. But you're me. Oh. Oh, what is going on, man?
1: I'll tell you what, it's got to come with me now. This is. Ah. Um.
3: Gas, I have to go. What? I have to go. It will be. Everything will be alright, okay? What are you talking about? Listen, it's fine. I'm here. Everything will be alright. I have to.
2: Ian! Ian! It's gone off. Right. Sam, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna have to go up there. So, phone, open my phone. For, if I phone myself, hang on. There we go. Oh God, I've, God, I'm shaking so much. Right. Um. Here we go. Here we go. Right. This is my phone. Put me on, fader one. There. Is that working? Is that working? Is that working? Is that working? Okay. Okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out and, and just keep just it. keep it just keep, just keep, going. keep it going i'm sure that can't be what i'm thinking Can you still hear me gonna, uh, <laughs> let me um
1: let me just get this. God, i God. can't
0: This is an urgent public service message from Her Majesty's Government Department for Homeland Security. The British public is being advised to stay indoors, securing all doors and windows, and retiring to a place of safety far from any potential access points. Once secured, you must not admit anyone to your area, regardless of relationship or family ties. They may represent a significant security risk. This is an urgent public service message from Her Majesty's Government Department for Homeland Security. The British public is being advised to stay indoors, securing all doors and windows, and retiring to a place of safety far from any potential access points. Once secured, you must not admit...